How's it going, everybody? This is the Eat Sleep Elite Repeat Podcast, your weekly AEW review and breakdown. We're back at it again with some more awesome AEW action. The Forbidden Door has been kicked in, beaten down, burned to the ground by John Moxley and Eddie Kingston with their gas can. Charlie, this is this was a fun week of wrestling, honestly. Like uh, the post Forbidden Door week, it's dude. Is, is this? I might be going a little too far here. Is I always I always love how. I always have like the opening topic of convo for us to like planned out in my head. Those of you that don't know, this is the kind of stuff I spend my week thinking about. And this occurred to me like halfway through Ring of Honor. I was like, this is the thing that I need to ask, ask Charlie at the start of the podcast this week, uh, which is, uh, Charlie, the, the Forbidden Door is starting to feel like the week after Forbidden Door and the week leading up to Forbidden Door is starting to feel like the buildup and post of WrestleMania where you get all these like, special matches that you would normally not get because it's a big-ass week. I mean, I hope WrestleMania guys start leading in that way. I don't know if they have been. I have no idea. I don't watch uh, that uh, Fed show. But um, I do know this. Uh, Post-WrestleMania has always been a special vibe. You know, you get um, returns, you get debuts, yeah. you get cool stuff. Well, on post Forbidden Door, you get fucking L.I.J. And you get uh, El Desperado. And you get uh shingo takage on fucking ring of honor and shit like that so it, if we can keep that vibe oh and you also get tomohiro ishii fighting john moxley which would have been fucking brian danielson oh pain anyway um and uh just you know so i don't know I'm, i guess my question is do you like do you feel that it's going that way and uh does that excite you the prospect that we get this maybe every year now from from here on out as long as yeah. have a good relationship with new japan yeah, I mean, it definitely excites me. Um, I, I think you know, having the all the talent at their uh, availability, just like it was. Uh, what was the fucking pay per view? Um, it was. It, I think it was the last Ring of Honor show that was around WrestleMania. That week after, we had like DDT talent all over the place. You know, it's nice because you you can feel it those extra weeks since Ring of Honor's taped. You know, and like. Even yeah, just, that's the good thing is this was taped last week, so all the Ring of Honor talent was still there. And there, I, I haven't seen, you know, you know, what they taped this week in Collision, but there might be more talent yeah, there. Yeah, there might you know? be some people that were still in town from this week, so we could have a couple of weeks in a row of Ring of Honor having some of these people. Like, I wouldn't even be surprised if, um, like, some of the people who had, like, a tag match on Ring of Honor this week were having singles matches next week or something like that because they just taped yeah. multiple things because like, no reason why they can't, you know? Exactly. Um, but, um... But other than that, I'd say I'd say things are going pretty good. It's been a it's been a bit of a fun week, and you know, coming up we got more stuff coming out. Um, I know that The Witcher just came out, and I really need to get on that. I still haven't watched it, but luckily I haven't seen any spoilers, so I don't feel, you know, I don't feel like left out right now. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's this was a fucking cool week in wrestling, as we'll get into, because I thought the segments like. Promo segments, backstage segments, etc. Like AW really delivered on them this week across the board. Collision, Dynamite, Ring of Honor, you name it. And yeah, I think that's something that stuck out this week. So I guess, I guess, like we like to do here, we'll start us off with our favorites, and it's an even number, so I'm up first. And when I was kind of going over the, the the show of what I wanted to pick for my favorites, there was five matches that stuck out to me, and the one that I'm picking for my favorite is Claudio Casanoli, Commander for the ROH World Championship. 
This match kicked off AEW Rampage, and I thought it kicked it off in high-flying fashion, if you will. Um, Claudio, using his brute strength with the mix of Commander's high-flying ability, it gave me a Claudio match that I'm not too familiar with. You know, this this was different than his match with Phoenix, right? And I thought, if you just comparing these two side by side, I thought they were very good. And I thought this one also delivered. And, you know, his Ring of Honor World Championship run now is... It's been a success. Silently one of the better title runs that's been happening in the background of AEW television. It's been a a success. And I think we're going to look back on it very fondly. I would like to see... to the first one, which was like, what, 90 days or something like that? And he didn't really defend it as much. He defended it like four or five times, but it wasn't like we would have... It's not at the rate he's been doing it now, and it... It hasn't been as nearly as memorable. You know, we've had Eddie, Phoenix, Commander now, and others, I'm sure. But it's just... It's... He's having a really good reign. Now, there comes that discussion of, do you want to see this title defended on AEW shows now that we have Ring of Honor? And sure, it's a worthy discussion, but the way I always look at it is like this. We have literal, like, S-tier champions across the board in Ring of Honor. So I like the idea of promoting the brand by having your great champions wrestle matches on AEW television. And Claudio's involved in, like, a main storyline on exactly. AEW yep. television. Like, the biggest storyline probably in AEW right now. Not, 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 it's not even a, that's not even Cap. That's, I think that's true, you know? Um, and I believe, yeah, and I believe they kept mentioning uh, Commander was 4-0 and in Ring of Honor, so they were separating his Ring of Honor from AEW in this match, which is... Good very, for him, because he's, yeah. you know, he's uh, been, I don't think he's picked up that many wins in AEW. <laughs> but some seriously fun moves here, and, you know, the, the ending here, this was like yeah. an abrupt fucking quick finish, quick finish to a 13-minute match, but... Um, oh, yeah. The finish here, really, like, Commander's going on the ropes for a shooting star press, because Commander rope walks a lot, and Mm -hmm. I I see some lengthy discussions on Twitter and just, I guess, wrestling boards, if you will, about his rope walking, and, you know, everyone's going to have an opinion on that, but that's fine. But either way, he does a lot of rope walking, and this time, he's going for a shooting star press, Claudio gets out of the way. He then says, fuck it, he goes for the moonsault. But Claudio hits him uh, with a fucking uppercut. This knocks him out. The uppercut was so heavy, which we've commented multiple times that Claudio's got the best uppercut in AEW. Maybe in the business. Maybe the best European uppercut in wrestling. And and it ends the match. Now we've seen him finish a match, I believe, three separate ways now in this title reign. Uh, let's see. Ricola bomb, uh, gotch neutralizer. This uh, thing is done a couple of times. And, and a submission. Uh, oh, so no, that's the big swing submission. That's like four right there. Yeah, that's four. That's, that's so, awesome, dude. This knocked him out. And I, that Jericho I thought it was submission awesome. was one of the most brilliant things ever, by the way. I look back on that now and I'm like, well, how had nobody done that? And it's like, <laughs> right? crazy. Like, that's such so, an easy way to like put that move over. But anyway. And so I thought this was a very fun match. And yeah, Agreed. it was, it was, uh, it was my favorite match of the week in AEW. So, any other, any notes you had on this match? Yeah. And then, had, had, um, what, what was your favorite here this week? Yeah, I'll hit my favorite in a second, but just to talk about this match for a second. By the way, I'm loving everything we've seen from Commander. I, I remember, like, we were, like, a little, like, uh, when we first saw he was facing, um, uh, Vikingo. Or sorry, Vikingo. Vikingo, however you pronounce it. Um, uh, as his first match that we were going to see from him in the AW, like, sphere. And I remember that match is what put him over. And then they had the AAA make a title match at the pay per view, running it back. Um, and it just put them both on the map, I think, in America, you know? Um, 
But anyway, um, there was some really good counter wrestling in this actually that I really liked. Um, so there was a count, uh, sorry, a Kaze Dora that was, uh, like done by, that was like that really like super long Kaze Dora, like sort of flippy deal that, uh, that, uh, commander does. And, uh, it got counted into a side slam by Claudio. He just caught him and said, nope, side slam. And it's like, all right, hell yeah. That's what I like to see. He just fucking caught him, said, nope, I'm stronger than you, bitch. And put him on his ass. Love it. You know? Um, then he, had, you know, he went to the, he did the big swing and then he attempts to hit the recoil of the bomb right away. He's trying to do this, what he's been doing to like all the jobbers on ring of honor and stuff like that, or jobbers, just whoever he's been facing on ring of honor, you know, where he just sort of goes for the quick win. Well, uh, the recola bomb gets counted into like a Mexican arm drag, which is a really slick looking like move when it's done correctly because, and obviously commander knows how to do a, a, like a sort of like a flippier sort of arm drag like that. So the bread and butter for that guy, you know, so it's just stuff that looks really smooth. And, um, you know, and you know what? It makes a lot of sense, Charlie. Like, so I was thinking about this because obviously we know Claudio from his time in Chikara and stuff like that back in yep. the early 2000s. And there is a lot of people, I think of Orange Cassidy as Fire Ant and stuff like that. There was a lot of Lucha influence on um, Chikara, it seems like, you know, so. Yeah. Um, but also a lot of all kinds of other influence as well, like in comic books. So I, I got to go back and find some footage of that other than just I've seen like brief footage of him fighting um, Eddie back in the day. But I, I don't know. I, I need to find some more stuff from, from that, from that promotion. Especially if I can find some old OC, man, that'd be pretty cool to see like young Orange Cassidy. That'd be pretty nuts. But, um, anyway, um, yeah, there was just like, uh, a lot of really cool spots in this match that I, I thought really worked well. I thought this is a really well-deserved opportunity for commander. Like, by the way, it's mostly what I want to get out here. Hundred percent agreed. Yeah. Um, oh, and dude, and people probably, I'm sure fucking will complain about this. And make make fun of fucking commander, but dude, he like was gonna do like a the like dive spot all the way to the outside from the inside, and it caught his feet on the ropes, and he was gonna fucking fall backwards and look like an idiot, but instead he just did a flip. He was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just gonna look like a badass here, and landed on his feet. Um, and then he just hit the move again. Fucking, that's what a professional wrestler does, right there. He didn't panic. He didn't fucking, you know. In fact, he made a spot out of it, you know? And to most people, that probably didn't yeah. look like anything. But I caught it, and I was like, you know what? Most people would have eaten shit right there. This guy, he's got so much goddamn balance, he just did a flip, you know? <laughs> Fucking guy. He really did take advantage of this opportunity in all the best ways. And I thought it set the tone for, like, a good show. Not that the rest of necessarily Rampage, I don't think, delivered in that way. But I think, um, <clears throat> I think, I felt like Rampage was off to a really hot start after this match, so... Um, and like you said, wins by, wins by the knockout. I've always been an advocate of that. I always think it's a really unique ending to a match. And it just needs the right person and the right size differential or style difference or something. You know what I mean? Like, And the way they set it up in this match was I think Commander was about to hit like a move or something, right? Like he was like up on the turnbuckles or he got launched yeah. up off the turnbuckle. And then like it was like extra height added to it. So it's almost a more believable knockout, you know, than just like when you throw the guy up or something. Like, I don't know. Really? Yeah, it was really, really flash finish. Just fun ending that I thought added to the match instead of, you know, hindered it in my opinion. Yeah. I feel like you can get away with that with Claudio. Like people just need to shut the fuck up. That's all I'm going to say. Um, (laughs) they just need to chill out and watch the wrestling sometimes, you know, you ever get that feeling, Charlie? Like sometimes people just need to chill out and just like enjoy the wrestling. Cause like you're not getting WWE matches for F's sake. Like sometimes you just got to sit back and remember it's wrestling. You're watching, you know, that's that's the best way to put it. And sometimes you get the next match we're going to talk about, which was my favorite this week. So we went from Rampage, baby, all the way to Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. 
Um, we're all right for a fight. However you, however you actually say it. And now the cat is going crazy. Are, are you losing your mind? Okay. I guess we're just going to do that with that in the background. Um, anyway. Um, so yeah, we have Samoa Joe versus Roderick Strong in the Owen Hart Cup. I believe this is a quarterfinal match, right? Or is this a semifinal? Ah, it's quarter, semi. No, it's, it's a uh, quarter, right? Yeah, yeah. Cause semis is uh, next week. Yeah, quarter. It's always breaks my brain because like there's one match in semifinals on both sides of the bracket. So technically there is two semifinal matches, but it just breaks my brain because like in my head, I'm like, there should just be one more extra round of this tournament. Even though it would take way too long, but it also, if it, it just would look nicer on the graphic, <laughs> ah, whatever. Um, plus we'd get four semifinal matches. Can you imagine? That'd be fun. But I guess we will between both tournaments though. So can't really complain. Um, they were really hitting each other hard out of the break. Oh, by the way, uh, CM Punk on commentary as well, I should add. Um, speaking of the commentary, I'm probably going to like just talk about this throughout all of, uh, of, uh, collision again when I go through it. Um, but, uh, the commentary team on collision is just, God, it's like night and day from every other commentary team in pro wrestling. It's kind of insane. Like, um, like the, the only other thing that I might like enjoy more is when it's just Kevin Kelly by himself in new Japan. Like, cause he just, he just does a good job because no, it's no one like to like play off of somehow. I don't yeah. know why. Solo he, Kelly, Kevin Kelly, Kelly just, he, even on the tape shows, like the current New Japan Road, he's just he's clearly in like a studio or in his office at his fucking house recording it, and he just yeah, he still and, delivers passion as if he's on that floor. It's really absolutely, it's a fun, it's a fun vibe. He'll even do shit like you know, he'll see like if he's walking up where the commentary table would be, like an evil. He'll even make a joke, even if he's not actually there. He still plays it like he is. You know what I mean? like, Get oh, out of here, man. What a, what a, what a fucking, what a dude. Anyway, um, but they started, they started hitting each other hard. Punk says he's bigger than Gretzky, uh, you know, cause he's getting that mixed reaction. It was a little, it was a, it was a little <laughs> interesting. He's getting a, he was a little more mixed this time in this Canada town. It wasn't exactly all booze. You know what I mean? There were some CM Punk chants in there. So he had a, you know, some CM people Punk are, are was rocking up. a great shirt, by the way. Just had to point that out. Oh yeah. That's uh, a, uh, if you guys don't know, I'm a very big Chicago Blackhawks fan. We had the first pick. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We had Connor Bedard and it was fucking awesome. So hey, if there's anything me and Punker got in common, we're fucking diehard Blackhawks fans. So hell yeah, dude. I had, I had to toss that in there, Punker bud. Anyway, um, yeah, Punk says he's better than Gretzky, or sorry, not better than Gretzky, bigger than Gretzky. Um, right out the gate, you had this really hard re- uh, knee strike from Roddy on uh, Samoa Joe, and I was like, ah, ha ha ha, we're having this kind of match. Joe is showing up because yeah, Samoa Joe is kind of like the indie version of like Randy Orton, where like depending on the match, you might get Joe or you might get like. Ring of Honor Joe, you know, like, and this was Ring of Honor Joe here. So, um, and, uh, you know, it's like 17 years or something like that. Is that what they said? It's the last team these guys touched, which is kind of insane. Um, yeah. And there was a lot of like, I believe. No, no, that's him and Punk. That's him and Punk. Yeah. I think that's, oh, well, either way, like, it's been years since even Roddy and Samoa Joe have like had, maybe it was more like a mentor sort of relationship. Like, you looked up to him, but I'm pretty sure they had wrestled before, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Um, maybe it just never happened. It's possible. I could have my yeah. information incorrect here. Um, it, it is possible. Anyway, um, whoa. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, we had, um, a lot of really great. So this is something I, I thought was interesting, Charlie. I'm sure you'd agree with this. This wasn't like your New Japan kind of hard hitting style, or mm-hmm. even really your Ring of Honor kind of like current style that we have of hard hitting wrestling. It was kind of like that old school Ring of Honor from like the early 2000s style, like the the kind of matches Punk and Samoa Joe and Punk and Brian Danielson and Punk and 
uh, 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 I don't know, name another person that was around back then, you know, like uh, the kind of matches yeah. that came out later when you had guys like El Generico and Kevin Steen doing like the ladder matches and stuff that they did in Ring of Honor. You know what I mean? Like Steen. the kind of style that led to that sort of thing yeah. that existed for a little while there, you know? Um, that went on to be innovated, I would say, probably by the Young Bucks, right? Like, because they completely took that sort of indie style and took it to the next level. Yeah, not, not taking it to, a, yeah, to that next level, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, deep, too deep of a level here. But they did a lot of really great regular wrestling spots in this match. There was a lot of drop kicks. There was a lot of, like, Insiguri-type moves, a lot of knee strikes, a lot of, you know, punching and stuff like that. Samoa Joe, I think, did um, some, like, knees and, like, punches and strikes in the corner. But he didn't do his, like, the thing he did in, like, you know, TNA and WWE where he's, like, Hitting you with strike, 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 Insiguri. He was just pummeling Roddy in the corner. You know what I mean? <laughs> that um, first forearm, like literally, oh, I, I stood out of my fucking seat. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. And they just like beat the. They you don't know, like. Um. And they were selling the absolute shit of each other's offense, which again, with Joe, sometimes if he doesn't think the match is appropriate for him to sell like that, he won't. You know what I mean? Like if he's supposed to be positioned like a monster, he's just going to be a monster. You know. Um. And I thought the, uh, the, it built up a super really nice, uh, like finish through that because I, like, when it hit, I wasn't expecting it at all. And I thought, I loved the finish of this match, by the way, because, um, I don't think it hurts Roddy, like, at all to lose to Joe in the way that he did. Um, because I think, uh, that Joe has choked out plenty of fucking people in his career, you know what I mean? That are, are, are on or equal to him, you know what I mean? So. I think, yeah. and Joe versus Punk is honestly needed to happen. I mean, even Punk said, you know, uh, the Colliders all want it to be Punk versus Joe because it's been so long since we got that match, you know? Um, and while I'm excited for that match, I, I think Punk versus Roddy would also be incredible, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so I, I would have been happy either way. But yeah. um, like I was saying, a commentary kind of just tied this all together in a really nice way. Um, I'll, I'll just bring up because... Uh, um, you just sent me things. So Put a nice look, bow on it, if you will. Get and, the, and they yeah, did. Get, the, get the finish really quickly. Because obviously he did win with the... It's called the Coquina Clutch in WWE. Is it still called that? Is that what yeah. they call it in the Yeah, AW? Coquina okay, Clutch. I wasn't sure. So he picks up the one with the Coquina Clutch. Um, and then after the match, this is where a lot of that stuff uh, came in. You know, I thought, like I said, they built a really nice finish. But then after the match, Punk and Joe kind of just looked at each other like, I'm going to murder you. And then Joe went and grabbed a chair. And Punk's like, hey, I got a chair too, bud, you know? Um, oh, and they were going to go at each other with chairs, I guess. And then uh, then they got separated. And then Joe slid back in the ring, dropped the steer, uh, and then he dropped, like, slid the chair under, grabbed Roderick Strong up on his shoulder, and then, like, did, like, a power slam type looking move <laughs> on the chair. And then Adam Cole ran in to sell the injury, and then they stretchered fucking uh, Roderick Strong out after the match, making it look like he was injured. So I assume we're not going to see Roddy for probably a couple weeks or something like that. Maybe he'll come back and uh, attack Joe or something like that after, you know, he's defeated by... Oh, here's here's what you could do. If it's, you know, if there's going to be build-up to this match, maybe, like, Joe gets suspended for a week for the, what he does after the show, and they build it up for the next episode of Dynamite or something like that, which I know will piss a lot of people off because it's supposed to be on stuff, but have we even got... Uh, is that dated for the next Dynamite or anything? Do we yep, know? Ne- or next is it collision. Set- it's it's Joe and Sam okay, Punk main event so, next week. Yeah, you could do something where Roddy... Could, not in a week, probably, but like in two weeks, he could come back. Or maybe Joe interferes in the the finals or something like that. Or like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like if he loses, that well, there's something I got something there, I'll toss at you. What if? Anyway, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give you. I'll what if we run Roddy and Joe at uh, Death Before Dishonor in a couple weeks for that title? That would be a very, very. Uh, if if you don't have, if you're not sure whether you can have Eddie, because it doesn't seem like the Eddie match is confirmed yet. Obviously, yeah. Um, 
uh, or sorry, not Eddie, the, uh, if you, if you don't have Mark Briscoe, because it doesn't seem like that match, they want to do that match, Charlie. That's what I meant to say was Mark Briscoe, but I don't think they want to do it yet. Do you think that's going to be on television, like on Ring of Honor, Honor Club? Like that'll be where we get Mark Briscoe winning that title, maybe? Because it doesn't seem like they want to put it on the pay per view for some reason. It could be. Eh. I mean, I'm still anyway. thinking Mark Briscoe. I, I don't know. I don't know what the plan is with him. I mean, they're kind of just, you know, using him in the babyface role, kind of like they do with Acclaimed. Because I don't think Roddy necessarily beats Joe for the title. Or maybe he does. I don't maybe know. That'd he be does, a good yeah. Show. That would be a good shot for your Ring of Water TV champion, honestly, right now. And he's got nothing else to do on AEW for a little while until uh, till, uh, Kyle gets back. You know what I mean? Yeah. God, do you think, they would, do you think they'll tag them two up as a tag team? I hope so. I would love to see the trio, oh. man. Oh, I hope I hope we get the undisputed in, in AEW. But anyway, to get back to what I was getting at, um, the the match next week is now obviously Punk versus Joe. So just off the top of your head right now, Charlie, uh, just thoughts on everything that I was just kind of just going yeah. through, and uh, that match as well as um, you know uh, where where do you think uh, the, where, where does this put your mind at for the tournament? One of the things that you um, I think I saw you posted on uh, Twitter from the ESE Twitter earlier was uh that the match quality for this tournament has just been through the roof and uh, i have to agree with you man starting starting with the matches like in forbidden door like Mm -hmm. it's just been incredible yeah it really has um no i just i i thought this match was fantastic so i if i had to pick a second favorite this would have been it tonight um yeah i just god Right, this tournament. Oh is- yeah, this is the thing I was going to point out. Punk's never beaten Joe. Nope. I had no fucking idea. That's insane. I love that they brought that statistic up, and I'm going to tell you what. I don't think he's going to beat him next week. Oof. I think Samoa Joe. I think Tony knows this. I really hope he he sees the color here. Samoa Joe. Truthfully, we we've all all been waiting, ever since theoretically left TNA in I believe 2016. 2017 we've been waiting for that next Samoa Joe like he 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 needs to be the top guy right you could see you could argue he's the top guy in NXT and I'll give you that but I'm talking AEW or WWE you know main main go and Samoa Joe on AEW collision is booked as our big bad now tell if the big bad beats fucking CM Punk now I know CM Punk losing twice in collision is probably unlikely maybe I'm just more like throwing a pitch out there for Talking it into the void, if you will. But I think that statistic and how many times it was brought up, to me, it almost feels like it's telling you, yes, Mojo's going to beat him again. CM Punk just can't get over this hurdle. Maybe this is the one guy that will forever, you know, avenge CM Punk. He's always going to haunt him. He just has that advantage. There's people like that in people's lives that no matter what you do, you just can't get one over on them because... They just have this. The universe just does likes them more than you, or something, or just doesn't yeah. want you to succeed. And them not. I just. To, I have been like waiting them. for so long for Samoa Joe to feel like this, and yeah, holy probably, fuck, like, it feels like, like we're I, there. I've been waiting for this since like 2018. A, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> two matches on Collision, both like, times in the main event. I saw him, and just he he feels like the top dog right now. And and like I said, I thought this was a fun match, very hard hitting, and um. Yeah, so I thought all in all, the, the, what was I trying to say? The, the tournament. Yeah, we went three for three tonight, and we'll talk about that towards the end of the show, but just to, oh yeah. I, I genuinely, all three matches were different, and now the women's tournament 
it's kind of been a little bit of a mess and we had a, an injury take place this week or no uh, sickness. So it got delayed again. So it's like, Oh my God, this, the women's side is like all fucked up, but our men's side is fucking incredible. And you could give me any four names, Hobbs, Starks, Punk, or Joe. And I'm picking, I, I'm cool with whoever wins. I'm just so. glad that they decided to pause the entire women's tournament this week instead of just having some of the matches. Like they just paused the whole thing because they had an injury technically. So, you know what I mean? Like I know other tournaments would have had a replacement, but that would feel inappropriate here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. cause because uh, so, they hadn't really started yet, so you know. But so that being said, we do have some cool news to get to. We don't have a lot of news tonight, but we have got some cool stuff. So, um, kicking us off, we're actually going to jump to New Japan for a second because I found this just fascinating. New Japan. But- so we've been talking about you know the three young guys that have made their returns from excursion. There is a fourth, and arguably Master Waddle's a fifth, but they have three main guys that have made their return from excursion. And New Japan Pro Wrestling has just announced them as a new group name. They they have announced them as the newest version of the Three Musketeers. They will now be known as the Riawa Three Musketeers. It says, and New Japan put together a statement that said, In recognition of their quick ascension in the ranks of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and clear desire to lead a new generation within New Japan Pro Wrestling, Shota Umino, Ren Narita, and Yoda Suji will together be officially named the, the Riawa Three Musketeers. So you're going, how cool is that for them, man? Like three really young, really talented stars getting recognized early in their careers. It's vibes to me. Like the, like the main three that we have now of Naito, uh, Hanahashi and, and, and fucking, and, uh, Okada bro. When they just all were like, yeah, these are the next guys. Like they weren't a group. I don't think a little, uh, a little history lesson here. This is the third time in history. They've done this. So the first three given the label were Masahiro Chono, Shinya Hashimoto and Kaiji Mudo. Those are the first three given the three Musketeers in the New Japan class of 1984. In 2004, there was a group named the three new Musketeers, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Katsuyori Shibata. They were all reflected as a future of the promotion at the time. Trio, holy. (laughs) And now you give it to these three guys, Yoda Suji, Ren Narita, and Shota Umino. Can you imagine how hard they were hitting people in that group? The honor to have that title is just got to be incredible. I feel for Yuya. Um, Tanahashi better be on commentary for every single one of their matches. <laughs> yes. I, I definitely feel for Yuya, uh, Uemura. You know, I, there's some people that are like, oh, you picked Impact. You made your bed. You lay in it. I just, I, I, I think that's such a, he went to America to do an excursion. I, I don't, I don't think it's, it's his, you know. I don't know. I don't. F- I don't see why we. You should be. I mean, arguably, about the people it, in DDT were probably saying the same thing to Nakamura or not Nakamura to. Um, well, I'm sure the people in, in New Japan were probably pissed at Nakamura when he was talking about going to America. But I mean, think about if you're like one of the top coming stars in DDT. I mean, Okada like, did, did his excursion and you in New Say, D- I'm going to go to AEW yeah. and wrestle as like the behind the scenes guy, like the, the the like random fourth fifth guy in the elite. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah, so it's I, like you know, I just found that news fascinating this week and. Like I said, the last three Musketeers, Shibata, Nakamura, and Shibata, and uh, Tanahashi, just, they they clearly, they were the top three guys of this, that generation. So it's it's really cool to see that we're 20 years later, we have Yoda Suji, Ren Narita, and uh, Shota Umino, kind of as the Riawa three Musketeers. So um, AW has filed a new trademark. It's called AW Rise to the Top. And according to the filing, it's related to a downloadable game. Don't know. We we every time AEW trademarks something, it always ends up popping up, just like Collision. 
and everyone speculated then what collision meant, and now you can speculate now what rise to the top means. It could be like, um, it could be a second game they have in development. Like maybe this went way better than they were expecting money wise or something, right? Already, yeah. and they're like, oh, let's fucking greenlight the next game because I'm sure Kenny has other ideas. It could be another mobile game because I, I was going to say, yeah, mobile games. I think AWGM didn't quite reach cows, what they wanted so. it to, right? Yeah, mobile games are great. Um, I don't know if they're as popular as they once were, but I definitely think the AW audience has a lot of people that play mobile games in it. I mean, I know you and me both have both really been into mobile games in our lives. Uh, oh, point, yeah. So, you know, I've recently started um, playing a, a, a card game and it's the Marvel Snap, which I'm sure I'm sure us say, even saying that there's people that are listening to this that are like, oh, shit, I play Marvel Snap. Snappers, but yeah, it's like eh, that fucking that anyway, Lockjaw um, High Evolutionary fucking deck. Son of a if bitch. it was going to be like a full game, would you want it to be like. What if they did like a comprehensive GM mode based game where it's like an actual GM mode? Like, you know how like a simulation, like Madden, that kind of thing, like NHL, where you can be the GM and you can actually like, but it's a full game experience. Imagine if they did that. Like, yeah, you know how you can uh, definitely like, make what that, is that baseball game. They, they, they should what really try base- and get a card game going like that uh, WWE Superstars one. I still <laughs> would see be ads cool. for that, that shit one. everywhere. Oh, yeah. I That would be a good one. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of ideas you can come up with. I was just throwing a couple out there, yeah. you know? Um, AW Fight Forever did come out this week, actually. Speaking of gaming, I didn't have this in the news, but uh, that came out this week. It released um, fucking everywhere. I, I imagine, yeah, Xbox, PlayStation, computer, Nintendo Switch, etc. Probably anywhere where you play your video games, it's available. So I'm wondering if anyone here uh, got it and played it. If you did, let us know on Twitter. Let us know if you uh, gave that a shot. Um. We're some gamers ourselves. So uh, Brie Bella has given us an update. We got Brie Bella on the news. She says Brian Danielson's arm injury is, quote, worse than we thought. And she kind of showed a picture on Instagram of, no. his, uh, of his arm. I want the match with Saber Jr. And my God, the arm break is fucking crystal clear. He is fucked. Um, I'm guessing all in is unlikely, which is an absolute travesty. All in's about eight weeks away, nine weeks away right now. So. It's probably not happening with this kind of injury, which fucking sucks. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. If nah, you-, you know what you have to do? You have to have you have to keep Zack Saber Jr. You just have to steal him. You just have to you just have to threaten Obari's life until he lets you keep him <laughs> for the entire time. And then as soon as as soon as he's about to like win the AW World Title, you just hear Brian Danielson's music. Some final countdown. Um, oh, absolutely. No, but, uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on Danielson. I'm guessing the blood and guts, you know, we're about to talk about that right now is cause now we do know we're blood. We do know blood and guts, but, um, shooter, bud. I think it's gotta be showed. I think you gotta bring him in. If, if you have, uh, Eddie making the run from new Japan, just put showed on that flight, you know, let him, let him go together. <laughs> A grand, grand slam will be returning this September. So, Grand Slam 3 coming to Arthur, Arthur Ashe Stadium. In Two of the York. best goddamn AW t- television shows I've ever done. Like Wednesday, September 20th. And that was from Andrew Zarian. So, he got us that. And then they announced it on Dynamite. So, yeah. Uh, still AW's biggest show in America was Arthur Ashe 1. Where we had Kenny, Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. And then, last little bit of news we had here was uh, Britt Baker was pulled from Dynamite due to illness. And... That kind of ended up playing into the show, but still, in case you missed it, uh, just I'm guessing Adam Cole had a specific illness, and then she did. I don't. It's not my room to speculate, but you know, maybe they just got something where they needed a couple days off to uh, figure it out. You know, 
So it could have just been like a simple flu or something. You know what I mean? Exactly. Or it could have been like a really bad cold. Sometimes you, I mean, we've all had a cold before that knocks you on your ass. You know what I mean? Exactly. It happens. So that being said, um, I think we have, uh, God, next week is we have like so many fucking Owen Hart. Uh, I was looking through, I was just scanning through the news real quick and I'm like, just looking so at much about next for, week's just yeah. Owen Hart and, and shit like that. So that being said, it's time to jump into the uh, results part of our show here. So what we do, guys, is we go Ring of Honor, Dynamite, Rampage, Collision, and we kind of bounce back and forth. Duke here opens and closes, and I kind of get the, the middle meat, if you will. And so... Pause. <laughs> yo. So, <laughs> so I guess it's uh, your turn to uh, take... What is it? Take the pitch? Uh, I, I don't know. I said something else before, <laughs> but I don't, I don't remember. Um... The opening of this uh, article that you sent me from uh, Wrestling Observer just says, LIJ will attempt to defeat the embassy. Anyway, um, <laughs> this is Ring of Honor on Honor Club, episode 18. Um, so uh, we opened up the show, and I actually don't ha- hate that we've been opening up the shows like this lately, Charlie, with the Ring of Honor board of directors. Um, but we had two-thirds of it here, TK and Stokely, and they were backstage with Lexi Nair, who was running down, and they were going to run, a, basically ran down the Ring of Honor guard, talked about what we were going to see tonight, got me a little excited for the show personally. Um, but then we kind of had Stokely Hathaway positioned as the general manager of Ring of Honor because Tony's like, I'm going to go handle the stuff backstage. <clears throat> We're going to have, I think they implied that maybe Jerry Lynn's going to handle stuff down toward the ring and in Gorilla, like, uh, with like the wrestlers, like, and like the matches that are like for pure rules. Like, I think that was kind of like the vibe we've gotten with that. So he's going to be more nice like touch. the, like, yeah. like, like kind of like official sort of capacity in that way. Like if there's like a ruling need like that, whatever, it doesn't matter. He's also going to have sort of a similar role. We found that out later. I'll get to that when we get to it, but. Um, hold on. I gotta clean my throat. Anyway, I, right, I'm with so. you. I like that. I think it's a nice touch. And yeah, and I, I think Stoke being the GM makes sense. He's a great face for Ring of Honor. I couldn't. And, agree. Uh, I, love I love what they also his energy on Ring of Honor in general. Oh yeah, he's fucking hilarious, man. I love Stokely. Oh, Stokely's so great. Um, and then the first match we got, uh, you know, I was like, oh. Charlie, I, I think I said this to you literally like two days ago. I was like, bro, where's Preston Vance been? I need me some more Pero Peligro. So I also asked you, are they still <laughs> calling him just, that? Because yeah. I was really curious. I was like, I was like, is that him? You know, is it still him? And the, I got both my answers here. He is still around. He is still tagging with Realistico. LFI are still a thing. And we got LFI and LIJ on the same show. So there's some corporate synergy across the brands there. But, you know, um, uh, yeah, they just took on some jobbers. I didn't, I didn't write down the names or anything like that, but, um, I do like having both of them on the same show. They hit the guys pretty hard. It was a really quick match. Uh, and then they got that double pin for the win. But, uh, yeah, good to see Preston Vance back. You know, I, I hope we can get something going with him here soon. You know, that'd be pretty cool. Um, just make sure I didn't miss anything. I think this was like, just went straight into the next segment, I believe. He just, he brings a certain aura to him that I think fits that group so well as well, you know? By the way, this was taped in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, in case anyone wants to Canada, buddy! Um, we're all over Canada, bud. Anyway, we have some Canadian brothers that listen to... I shouldn't say brothers. Some Canadian pals that listen to the podcast. Um, so, you know, um, how, how, how's Get it going? Get some poutine on us! Y'all are fucking eating this fucking <laughs> month with A-Dub. Anyway, um, or the last couple months, really. They've been all over uh, Canada, bide, but, um, real side. I've always wanted like a major wrestling company to do this. Just fucking literally tour another country. I find it just, it's pretty cool. Awesome. WWE does it like once a year in the UK and, or at least they did for a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just, um, I love the idea of just, but they're only there for like, it feels like a couple of weeks, like they're, or even maybe a week. Sometimes. I think, yeah, so usually like, just one. And then they'll like do, this has been like a month, do the live shows, shows in, in other places like France, et cetera. And, 
it's always like really I'm always like just fucking do the raw there, man. Fuck it. Send it. Absolutely. So um basically after this point in the show, uh we we had this next match and then we had one more match after that that was like hmm. and then everything after that like everything after Layla Gray versus Diamante, I'll just jump ahead and say everything after that. It just like goes to a different level on the show. It's kind of nuts. So let's get through the uh, the other stuff first. So this was a shorter match than I would have wanted it to be, but we had the Dark Order. Um, I like those odds, uh, which I believe was uh, Grayson and uh, and uh, Johnny Angi, or not Grayson. Sorry, yeah, Grayson still in the Dark Order. <laughs> I've broken my brain. No, we've uh, we had. He's a turn cloak. <laughs> Reynolds and Silver, a double, a double, a double, triple agent. But anyway, uh, taking on the the Righteous, I believe, right. And, uh, which obviously, uh, you know, we have, uh, um, Dutch and Vincent. I don't know why I cannot remember their names. I just, I just, I, I'm so caught up in the gimmick. I'm just like, oh my God. Anyway, um, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, this has been like probably the, the story on Ring of Honor besides the kingdom infantry thing that's going on as well. But I think this has been the story that I've been the most like, like actually invested in actually Athena, but Athena's, Athena's, this is her show. She said it on this episode of Ring of Honor. Like it's true, you know? Um, and yeah, so like, I just, I think it's crazy, Charlie. Stu is fully gone to the dark side. It's, it's not even a question anymore. He's gone. Stu Grayson is now a member of the righteous. I don't care if he's still dressed in kind of dark ordery. He's, he's, he's gone, man. He's, he's, they, they turned him evil, Charlie. How did this happen? He's a turn cloak. Was he always like this? Yeah, I think so. No, dude, they got his dream. They fucking twisted it. They gave him a little bit of that white family juice and now he's fucked pause anyway um but, <laughs> but so one, one of the things i pointed out and this is like a really weird thing i wrote in my notes but i think you'll understand what i mean um like i i think it's not just cool to, I, so there's a, a crossover of the ring of water and the aw roster that i think it was caprice that pointed this out but i think it's it's not even just that what this is charlie this is not just a parallel story in ring of honor and and aw this is an intersecting story between both brands because you have a ring of honor team messing with an AEW team that came over for just like some matches, you know, stealing one of their members, essentially poaching them over to Ring of Honor saying, this is our guy now. We're going to destroy you. We're going to make you look like fools when you're wrestling on AEW and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that is like some like next level mega giga brain booking from Tony Khan that he must have planned months ago. You know what I mean? Or maybe not months ago, but at least weeks ago. You know what I mean? Like where he kind of was thinking, it says if I can make this work, it's going to be one of the craziest stories ever told. So just shout outs to Tony Khan for being like a mad genius when it comes to booking pro wrestling. But like speaking of mad geniuses, Vincent being a giga brain and sending Uno out by faking like a situation where, he gets thrown out by the ref. Like that was really smart. Cause then it removes Uno as an obstacle. And again, it's more of that sort of like cult leader behavior. He's keep, he's separating people from each other. Maybe now he's slowly going after one of Reynolds and silver. I don't think he's going to get one of them, but I think that could be something. Cause you know what I noticed toward the end of this match after they ended up losing, I noticed that we had, um, cause Uno refused to still hit Grayson when there was like a post match beatdown potentially going to happen when he got in between, um, I think it was Vincent and, uh, and Uno, right? Um, and cause Vincent stole the pin off of like a distraction. So I, I, won't, I won't go too big in the match because it's only like five and a half minutes long, but 
Uno still will not take the fight to Grayson, and Reynolds got pissed at him. So I don't think I think there's more to say. This could be the full collapse of the Dark Order, Charlie. I don't. I didn't think we'd ever get there because it feels like such a staple yeah, in AEW. Like a full implosion. But this is the kind of thing that could. I think reasonably like. I think this. I would believe this story, and I could see them not all going their separate ways, but maybe they have to like it's just these three and it ruins like the relationships between some of them like and now it's a little more tense you know like i don't know i mean yeah if we're getting cold footing on recruiting because they still haven't recruited anyone so i'm like yeah if they're just going to end the group so be it you know who knows how much longer some of these guys got on their contracts right so something to keep in mind for sure but i just really like where this story is going one way or the other um it's just great dramatic storytelling and wrestling um, Layla Gray and Diamante had their second match. I don't think it was like spectacular or anything. Um, I don't, I think, I, I just don't think, I don't know, man. I just, I want to like Layla Gray because a lot of people seem to think she has a lot of potential. It seems like backstage, you know what I mean? Like I keep hearing that, that people really like her. You know what I mean? Like, they really like her backstage and they think she has a lot of potential. Like she listens well and maybe she just needs more time. So I'm just, I'm not giving up on her yet, but I just, yeah, I mean, these are kind of so like hard, her man. AW dark reps now in terms of they're just going to, they're going to get these reps on ring of honor going forward. Um, I, I just don't think she has heat right now, which sucks for her. Cause like, I think she needs to get some to like feel the crowd out a little bit more to get that feeling of how to do that a little bit more. I don't think Mark Sterling is capable of doing that for her. I don't think he does it for Jade or ever did it for Jade. I don't think Stokely Hathaway was was responsible for Jade's heat. I think Jade was always responsible for Jade's heat. The the mouthpieces were just there to do what Jade took a little bit longer to. Because not everybody knows how to cut a promo right away. You know what I mean? Like so, um, I I I don't know what her skills are like promo wise. We've heard her speak, and she does seem to speak well. You know what I mean? So maybe she just needs some promo yeah. time. Maybe have her do some backstage vignettes for a few weeks to sort of allow her to build her character up a little bit. I don't, I don't know, but um, I just don't think you can artificially create heat for her without Jade on TV. If, she, if you had Jade next to her still, I think she would be benefiting from that, but I, it's, it's just a weird time for Layla Gray. You know what I mean? Um, anyway, we had Claudio Castagnoli backstage with Lexi, who was challenged by Chick T to a match for the t- uh, Ring of Honor Championship, but, uh, Claudio's like, well, I'm not giving you a title shot because I don't like you. Um, and so we'll do a proving ground, but there'll be no time limit, which I'm just like, okay, that's fair. I guess the champion could just say, nope, you got to beat me. So that's fair, I guess. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that, but that's what happened. So we had a proving ground match set for Claudio versus Chuck Taylor. So, you know, I like Chucky T. So, um, when it was him, I was like, okay. Should be a good main event, you know. Um, and we had Shane Taylor, the workhorseman, and Gringo Loco taking on Commander El Dio del Vikingo and Lucha Bro and the Lucha Bros, I should say. So yeah, like I said, every match after this point is like just nuts. <laughs> when I saw this match um, up, I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> yeah, uh, that that might be the greatest Lucha Lucha quadruple faction. They, if they can somehow make that an actual faction across both like brands, you know, AAA and uh, AEW. I mean, they got three of them under contract already, and it seems like Vikingo, as soon as he's done over there on his current contract, is probably making his way over based on how much he's been here, you know? Um, it feels that way, you know what I mean? Yeah, Maybe that's not until a couple years a down the lot. road. But it feels like he likes AEW and its crowd, you know what I mean? Um, so hopefully we can get that guy under contract as well, because if we can make that faction a faction, dude, and you have Pac as well, bro. <laughs> Count <laughs> that's me like the a fuck super group. In. Yes. That's a super group. 
So we started out with some uh, showmanship from Penta doing the little glove stuff, um, which I think was denied by uh, by Gringo. Maybe yeah, I think he said nah, and then he got kicked in the back of the head by Penta, um, which is pretty or not probably by Penta by uh, Phoenix. Phoenix just said nah, fuck you, I'm killing you. But um, how dare you interrupt my brother's my brother's showmanship? You know, um, they did some quick hardening strikes. There was like a really nice sequence of like super kicks back heel kicks and ziguris and then shane taylor just leveled fucking i forget who it was i think it might have been phoenix which is a forearm just said nope you're dead i'm killing you. you're done and uh just a lot of really great wrestlers in this match i really hope that 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 workhorseman plus shane taylor is like a permanent like fixture now because it's so damn good you know um and yeah, I, I hope, also Gringo. I would. I really would like Anthony Henry and Shane Taylor to like fucking absorb the group and overthrow JD Drake. They turn into like really sadistic fucking heels and win the tag sick. titles off the Lucha Bros. Hell yeah, I'm down. Let's do it. Um, dude, Gringo just moving around like a fucking goddamn ballerina as a meat man. Just I love to see it, you know. Um, Vikingo had, had a super sweet hot tag. It was just a super fun match. The ring post. Com- oh, there was a combo. Oh, they just, dude, this is how you know these two have been working together as a tag team recently in AAA because they did this spot where, uh, Command Air hit the fucking rope run to the like backward moon tall flip fucking, you know, super goddamn, uh, whatever they want to call it. And then we also had the no look moonsault from Vikingo at the same time and they timed it like fucking perfectly. It was just like, just a problem. What, what a spot. <laughs> yeah. Just insane. Like, you know, because, like, you, you know, you get those rope walk complaints. This was a completely different spin on that because you also had Vikingo doing insanity as well, you know? So, um, yeah. And uh, they picked up the win off of Fear Factor. Um, and it's a really, really fun match here on Ring of Honor. We had the Ring of Honor Television Champion Samoa Joe cutting a promo backstage on Roderick Strong, and Stokely Hathaway makes his way in, and he's like, "Yo, uh, I run the show. What's up, Joe?" No, that's not what he said, but it's basically what he said, you know. Um, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, you run the show, okay, but I run you." So Samoa Joe is now the GM of Ring of Honor. Um, but yeah, no, I like that. I like Joe positioning himself that way because, like you said, he's being positioned in this show and on Collision as the big bat. I, so. I, I just, I love that spot so much, and this again just adds to it. I mean, I mean, imagine if they did this. Like, remember when they were like threatening to do Joe versus Brock Lesnar, and they just never did it for whatever reason. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, and, and everybody wanted the match because it just looked fucking amazing as an idea, you know? Um, and. In the build up to that, that, that sort of thing that they were kind of maybe going to do at one point, I think, I think it was like, uh, maybe a UFC potential is what ended up making that not happen. Cause, you know, there was that couple of years where Brock almost went back to UFC before he did. Um, and had that fight with, uh, that one guy. I forget who UFC fought. But anyway, um, and if they imagine if they did it then, like how, where Joe's stock would be now comparatively, you know, like, cause he ended up having high stock in WWE, like backstage. Like he was like on commentary producing, he was doing all kinds of stuff. He won. Didn't he go back to NXT at one point? Like he did. Like Joe was doing all kinds of stuff. Like it was, Joe was all over the place. But anyway, um, quite, I yeah. think he quite literally was on commentary for like six to eight months on Raw. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> like dude, just and he was great at it too. No, yeah. of course he was. Oh, of course he was. Samoa so, Joe, you know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just really like that. Um, so Big Bill and Lee Moriarty took on a couple of Jabberoonies. Uh, I think Lee Moriarty is just getting these jobbers that are like attacking him or something because he just keeps being like, "What the hell is wrong with you to people?" and beat the piss out of them. Um, no, nah, I'm just kidding. But 
It was pretty funny. Um, I didn't know that uh, Large William played uh, basketball in college. That's pretty cool. Um, Large William? I guess it makes sense given his size, but, you know, uh, I guess it makes sense that he was a big, but, you know, um, <laughs> but goddamn, can you William? imagine having to offend that fucking guy, dude? Oh, oh my that. God. That's a fucking, that, nah, that's the day you fucking stay home. <laughs> God, he, he, yeah, if he wants to pass it, he's fucking passing it. You ain't, you're not, you're not even getting to the ball. What, are you going to steal it from him? Yeah, okay. Anyway, um, hit some sledges to the back of one of the guys and uh the big dude also tried to do it to me he's like no nah, we're sledging each other and and bill was just like you sure you want to do that he's like yep so he beat him again he's like okay and then he just killed the guy it's great it's just, they just beat the crap out of him it was fun uh lee locked in the border city stretch uh for the win it's good stuff you know what i mean oh he also got like a nice little combo like sort of flip around move into it like i thought that was pretty cool um i, I want to see lee get a match with um I would like to see him get a match with like Adam Cole or something. I think that he could do something yeah, with that right now. That would be good. They, they, uh, we they had could LIG together. Oh, absolutely. We have Li. And it's like an opponent that feels like it could make sense. You know what I mean? And maybe you get like a post match beatdown with Adam Cole uh, by Big Bill, and then uh, you know Roddy makes the save or something at some point. I don't know. You could do something. Maybe set up a tag match. Ah, I'm, I'm already booking angles here. We had Lij's Bushi Bushi Rudy, uh, Hiromu Takahashi, and Shingo Takage. Just <laughs> insane team already taking on the Embassy. Um, we got a little Bushiruni on, uh, well, we didn't actually get the Bushiruni, but we got a little Bushi on fucking, uh, on Ring of Honor here. Taking on the embassy for the Ring of Honor World Six Man Championships. Um, so yeah, uh, Hiromu is, uh, selling Cage's offense, which is, again, awesome. So I was kind of getting at earlier, um, when I, when I talked about, like, this match, when I first saw it, um, I, I was like, thinking in my head, I was like, this is the process of seeing these guys sell for um these guys for the embassy is gonna put them over so much in some people's heads you know i think that's pretty yeah. cool and um i think everyone looked good and uh the black mist from bushi happened and then uh, the revenge was given because then khan and toa opened the fucking gates on him which just looks like it fucking kills you you know um yeah great move um what was the name like that was that move that con debuted last week i i know i probably called it on the show but i don't remember it for some reason I, i'll have to go back and look or something yeah but... oh, it was fucking yeah it looked sick too yeah it's a good move he's a really great wrestler i love bishop con um we had the united empire backstage it was kyle fletcher cobbert uh jeff cobb uh-huh. and uh and tjp one half of catch 22 the iwgp junior tag team champions um backstage say yo we might be calling out the embassy. We might be calling out just anybody we can get a trios match with, but fuck you. We're fighting everybody. It's like, okay. Like, like, you know, Fletchy's going to Fletch. Um, Fletch. We had El Desperado take it on. William Mack. The miggity, 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 miggity back. All right. Um, Desperado fucking killed him with a forearm back elbow thing to start this match, Charlie. William Mack was just getting ready for the match. And he was just like, wham. It's like, oh shit. That's what we're doing here. Okay. William Mack. Um, Desperado being a deathmatch wrestler. So this is something I brought up to you, um, like right before we went live. Not right before, but like, like, like 30, 40 minutes ago, something like that, probably. Um, that one of the things that is, uh, is happening, uh, here pretty soon in like, oh, what is it, like two weeks or something like that? Uh, two uh, days. Getting two, oh, two days. <laughs> yes. That's right. It's two days. July yeah, it's 5th Independence in Day. Japan. So. So yeah, in like two or three days, we're getting uh, El Desperado versus John Moxley in final death. El Desperado's final death match. Uh, because he's a death match wrestler. So that's going to be insane. Definitely going to have to talk about that and review that. 
so expect to hear about that uh, next week, or if we don't get to it like somehow for next week. In yeah, the next yeah, couple it'll weeks, be on next week's show because we'll we'll also talk about because uh, that's the same show with Willow and Julia. So oh, perfect. So that gives I'm us very excited of to finally to talk. talk yes. This is going to be our second time talking to Julia match. So absolutely, she's fucking yep. awesome. All right, so yeah, we uh we had uh Willie Mac hitting the return of the Mac slash the Macarena, whatever you want to call it. Either 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 way, I like either way. Uh, he got cut down by Desperado after he. So this is Desperado, and we saw a lot of this during uh, Super Juniors. He has this interesting style where he'll hit a submission on you first, and then he'll start going after your like. That's like a more. It almost makes more sense. You know what I mean? Like if you think about it. Like yeah, if you could attack, if if a, if a random like fall, like say you like say you jump off the second turnbuckle and you catch your knee, that happens. That's a spot sometimes in wrestling, right? Okay, if that happens, great. That does happen sometimes. But in this case, he goes after your leg with this submission, like the sort of Indian deathlock looking submission, and then he starts to do the little, like, you know, like the single leg drop kicks on the leg or like the like the leg kicks, and you know what I'm saying? Like that. I just I, I appreciate what Despy does in the ring. Um and Willie was just absolutely going nuts here, just going every everywhere, countering everything. I ended up hitting the pinche loco for the win, but yeah, just selling like crazy for Willie Mack. They let Willie Mack unleash here a little bit. I'm glad that they did. I'm sure Desperado would have felt like disrespected if they didn't, you know, like because um, he deserved it. Um, and here's a couple of guys. So I said to you last week, Charlie, when I was reviewing the Ring of Honor that had uh, for, uh, uh, New Japan people on it, I was like, man, we got Yo, but you know who I really wish we would have gotten? It's fucking <laughs> Show. Yeah. And we got Show and Yujiro Takahashi taking on Rapungi Vice. Rapungi Vice. All right. Um, yeah. So Dasha, come on. Get the fucking names right. Fucking Jesus Christ. <sighs> anyway. Um,. So I, I don't want to shit on Dasha because I really like Dasha. You know what I mean? But like, there, there's got to be a. Yeah. Does nobody have a card for her that has the pronunciation on it? God damn it. Anyway, um, I like Rapunky Vice getting a match though. And uh, there's history here between uh, Yujiro and uh, I think it was Yujiro and, and Trent maybe had history or something like that. Or Yujiro and, and Rocky did. I know definitely Rocky and Show had uh, history because I guess, I guess I didn't realize that he was sort of like more of a like. So Rocky was sort of like a mentor to show. I mean, I'm sure he helped train a lot of people that have come up recently in the last like several years, but like, I didn't know that. So that's interesting. They had some history there, you know, Rocky, Rocky, um, Yujiro and Naito having been a team at one point sounds like awesome, the Tokyo you know, oh, that sounds incredible, <laughs> you know, uh, Rocky hit the high fire spot the, when they were coming out of the ring. They had a new Japan ref for this, which I just had, I assume it's because, you know, Japanese people, they got to be able to speak Japanese to them if they need to communicate a finish or something like that, you know? Um, but yeah, uh, uh, the pimp king got denied by Trent. Um, I, I actually like, I, I think this might be a weird opinion to some people. I really actually like ha- House of Torture and I'm kind of glad that David Finley is just kind of like, they're cut. I like what, uh, what, uh, Rick Boney said here, which is like, or no, sorry, not Riccoboni. It was uh, Caprice. Riccoboni asked the question, like, why hasn't he messed with them? And uh, Caprice like, I don't know, man. Like, in the Mafia, sometimes you got your untouchables. I think the, the House of Torture might just be untouchable. I was like, you know, I kind of, like, dig that. They, they're, like, a separate thing that spawned out of the, like, last Bullet Club. So they almost get, like, a pass. Because, like, I don't know, what, 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 why would I get rid of this random force that I might be able to call on at some point, you know? I don't know. But I thought it was interesting. Um, it's, it's a well-put touch. I mean, House of fucking Torture, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So the strong zero picks with the win. They had a post match beat, blah, beat down, and Orange Cassidy makes the same. This is now the second time we've had Orange Cassidy saving somebody, or maybe third in the last like few months on Ring of Honor. 
I'm thinking we're getting him versus either Claudio or him versus Joe here pretty soon because it feels like they're building up to something with him here. I mean, they might just do a trios match or something, maybe, but I just think that I think he's got either some singles matches with some of these Japanese guys coming up or he's got, he's going to do something on Ring of Honor. It just feels like they want to do something with uh, OC on Ring of Honor. We had Darius Martin, Action Andretti, and Christopher Daniels, because I'm assuming AR Fox must have just been, like, not in town or something, you know? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, they're just teaming up with everybody, I guess. Taking on United Empires, TJP, uh, Cobbert, and Kyle Fletcher. Uh, TJP um, gave a clean break to uh, to Darius, I believe. Or it might have been Action. Actually, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It was one of the people. It definitely wasn't Christopher Daniels, because it was, it was a young person, so... Um, the, yeah, I gave him a clean break, which I thought was interesting. I, I've always loved that even though TJP is technically, I think, would be positioned as a heel right now, um, the way he wrestles in New Japan, at least, like he does, he just beats the piss out of everybody. I guess that's just kind of like my, my American sensibilities of wrestling, but you know, like, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't expecting him to just like give a clean break given the New Japan style. You know what I mean? I was, yeah. He's like, all right, I'll let nice you, I'll touch. let you off. Nice touch. Yeah. Um, Cobb's scary, strong, and fast. They can make anyone look like 10 million bucks over in, in New Japan with the United Empire. Um, Deadlift Falcon Arrow. Andretti picks up, uh, they, they pick up a win here. I mean, so they're saying this is a big upset, but I kind of have to agree with, um, they've not really lost recently, Andretti or, or Martin. Yeah. So like, yeah, I guess soon we have to start calling them legit, but like, um, I was like, when do we start calling them legit? That's like my question I asked in my notes. And I- I'll let you answer that question in a second. But I think, I think the true answer, it sucks, is when, when, uh, Dante gets back. So, because they're probably yeah, won't do anything with, them with that. Them. Yeah. So, which sucks, because I think when you have that trio of all three of them together, it's going to be one of the best groups in AEW. But until then, um, and I hope they don't get cold feet on that in the meantime, that like maybe Andretti starts to think about it and doesn't like it as much or something like just roll with it. I think it would be a good trio. So, uh, the kingdom were backstage blowing some smoke up Jerry Lynn's ass, um, <laughs> to try and get another, uh, match with the infantry. Uh, but Jerry Lynn kind of, you know, figured out what was going on here. Cause he saw the segment that they had last week. Smart Jerry. And where they, yeah, where they where they uh where they talk shit about ECW and then Mike Bennett made everything worse by talking shit Jerry Lynn in person about uh how he felt about ECW and uh and him and uh set up a mixed six man tag but with uh infantry and uh Trisha Dora taking on Maria Canellis in the kingdom, or I guess just Maria Canellis, just the kingdom, I guess, because she's technically a part of it. Uh so uh, I, I'm actually curious how a mixed six man tag is actually gonna work. Because I think you could actually do some interesting stuff there with the fact that there's going to be two dudes and one chick. I I don't know. It could be interesting. Um, we'll see. Um, and I've actually wanted to see Maria wrestle since she's been back. Like I was like curious if she was still wrestling. Because like, some people just are like not capable. Like they just they blew their knees out or what the hell ever. You know what I mean? Like they can't do it anymore. So they yeah. have to be managers. Just you know. Nice to see. Yeah. You know, and I assume not to be a dick because even though they're athletes, they're still human. I assume. For some women, pregnancy is harder than others. You know what I mean? So, like, if she, and I think they had a kid, right? I think so, right? So, you know, like, I think so. Um, yeah. e- either that or, um, you know, it doesn't really matter. The point is, Maria Canellis is like not done anything to indicate that she was going to wrestle. So I wasn't sure. You know, sometimes when they don't, I'm just like, oh, okay, maybe they're not. Um, but uh, anyway, we had Athena taking on uh, Casey Spinelli for the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship Proving Ground. So uh, Athena can still do flippy shit. She hit like a springboard. That was pretty cool. Um, the wait, what? 
Oh, I, I meant to type this girl, and it says this Goldie for some reason. I don't know what the hell that even means. Yeah, this girl. So that's uh, Casey Smiley seemed like she had some decent chain wrestling. Um, 28 wins in a row for Athena. Actually, they couldn't decide on commentary whether it was 28 or 30 between this and the next match, but it doesn't really matter. The point is, like, 20 to 30 wins in a row for Athena. Um, just nuts. Um, I could, uh, we could see Spinelli again. She seemed like something that may, there might be something there, you know? Um, and then in the main event of the evening, we had Chuck Taylor versus Claudio Cascinoli for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship Ruby Round. Um, dude, Rick Abani was all over the place, uh, in this match with his references. He was like literally going all to like different boxing eras and stuff like that. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, because I don't know shit about boxing history, but Rick Abani does. And when he talks about it, it feels like it elevates some of these fights because, I know I've heard of some of these before, but I just don't know. I don't have the context, but I'm sure some people, when they hear that, it makes them instantly go, oh, okay, this is, okay, so this is the vibe, you know? Um, by the way, something I forgot to add, Chuck Taylor apparently has never, had never lost to, uh, he always not, I should say never, but he had generally beaten Claudio to this point. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. There's been a lot of that going around That's lately. Pretty cool. People just getting having to face their demons from their it's, past you know it, i mean hey it adds right you know it adds to the fucking it feels very real it gives us more of a reason to really invest ourselves into what's going on just outside of the match itself yeah um yeah so the finish sort of this match was like claudio hit an ele- uh, ele- elevated european uppercut which is obviously how he finished uh the other match that we talked about for two um, he looked for a gotch neutralizer that was rolled through by Chuck with like a jackknife and that got a two count. And then he rolled through that. No, sorry, I didn't roll through that. He got out of that and then he like hit him with some kind of like forearm or something like that. And, uh, then he was stunned, caught him with the recola bomb. And then that's what picked up the victory. Uh, I thought it was a, you know, a good match. It was toward the end of the show. So, you know, it got less time than like maybe it would have in a lot of other cases, but it was a fun match. And, uh, Claudio and Chuck Taylor, I mean, you know. I could see this match again, you know, if they wanted to spin this into a story eventually, like maybe this is what he does like next. I don't know. I don't know. I would like for them to do that, for there to be somebody who he just beats in the lead up to a pay-per-view like they're about to do. And they're pissed about it. And as soon as the show ends after he defends or whatever against the next person, they go straight after him. I That's how you set up stories. You know, like I feel like I feel like you could carry Ring of Honor television with some world title um, TV feuds for a little while, and this would be a great one because I don't see what else they're going to be doing with Chuck Taylor in the in the meantime. It seems like mostly right now you have uh, Roppongi Vice doing stuff together if they're doing tag stuff over with Chaos. So you know, I don't know. I, I, there's something there. By the way, I want to see Trent get something as well. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe Trent faces Claudio like next week or something because he looked pissed after what he did to his friend. So we'll see. Trent, Trent. But yeah, that was Ring of Honor on Honor Club 18. I think I took like 30 minutes to go through that. I apologize, everybody. <laughs> it was a good episode. There's a lot of shit going on, you know? So, hey. all right. Jumping into Dynamite this week, uh, we, the Forbidden Door remains open, right? We get kicked off with uh, John Moxley taking on and defeating Tomohiro Ishii. And this was as expected. This was ad- as advertised. Hard-hitting, beating the piss out of each other. Moxley got bloody. Ishii just fucking put him over like a million bucks. And during the match, Claudio described it in my notes as two rabid dogs scrapping over a piece of meat. And that couldn't be described any better. And during the match, uh, Claudio and Eddie Kingston were kind of uh, on the sides of the apron together and just staring daggers. Claudio staring daggers at Eddie. I was like, I love this fucking feud. I I just I love it so much. And it's one of the most viscerally pure feuds in wrestling because it's so fucking real. But between those two guys, I think they really fucking hate each other. Let's be real. Yeah. 
And I just, I love it so much. So, um, yeah, uh, we opened it up with Moxley just, you know, having that similar stare that him and Ishii had, as they mentioned in the uh, G1 Climax match in uh, 2019, which was, I, I hate to say, it, it's my favorite Ishii singles match ever. So I, I often like to shout that match out, but whenever I get the chance, it truly was phenomenal. But the match ends with uh, Moxley hitting a curb stomp, the Death Rider, and post match Kingston's applauding John, but you know he brushes right by him, and Kingston's like, "Dude, what the fuck?" So <laughs> we it just uh, any other thoughts on that one? I, I loved your line about to fight over a piece of meat. I mean, that's oh yeah, perfect. absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I just I. Hard-hitting opening match of the show. Um, Moxley going nuts with the cutters. You know, it's a great spot. Yeah. Um, I just, I really like both of these guys. And I, it's funny because Ishii's kind of hit or miss for me in New Japan. Like, with singles matches. You know what I mean? Um, because it just depends on who he's against. You put him against some big meat. Oh, give me, give me him versus Cobbert, bro. Oh, oh anyway. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, but you know, not everybody that I've seen him face. But right now, I think it's because he's in that elevated six-man tag right now. You know what I mean? That is just insane. Of just like just the superstar, or at least he was recently. You know what I mean? Like so, like I think I think when you're doing something like that in New Japan, you just have to elevate your game, doing everything you're doing. So I'm not surprised to see this open up in a similar way. So we immediately follow this backstage, and this is kind of one of the first segments of the week. I'm I was talking about where it's like, whoa! So Renee's backstage talking to Adam Cole and MJF, kind of getting going over their, uh, you know, their their tag partnership if you will and mjf congratulates cole on getting sick to get out of forbidden door said he wishes he thought of it uh, even though no one is on the level of the devil cole was close so he pretty much is talking about yeah we need a bond this weekend cole agrees as mjf's driver tosses him a shirt to give to cole and says better than you baby um <laughs> they did a little funny segment i guess where adam cole was streaming this week and mjf gave him a call midstream and it was like hey we need to talk some strategy I think we should talk tag strategy. We should review some tape. <laughs> how, how, did he actually pull up tape on the stream if he did? And he awesome. kept being like, uh, what, what did I tell you about separating uh, work and personal life? Uh, leave me alone. <laughs> it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Because he's not Adam Cole. He's Chugs. I uh, like that. Um, What's his actual name? Fucking Tyson. No, nah, it's not Tyson. What, what is it? That's, that's Austin. It's Austin, yeah. Uh, Austin, yeah. He oh, was God, on. Remember that time that the Young Bucks called him? Or no, not Young Bucks. Kenny called him Austin. Yeah. And he just lied on AEW. He was just like, eh? Um, so if we follow that up. We go to commercial. We come back. We see Renee. She's pissed at John. There's no Mike in the area. And he's with Claudio and Yuta. And Eddie walks in and tells him he's always had Moxley's back. But he's peeling around with a scumbag like Claudio. Moxley said, who gives a fuck about this bad blood from Shakara? And then Renee's like screaming at him. She's like, you need guy." And she tells Eddie he needs to fix this. So I love that it was affecting her personal life. And it just, it was a nice Yeah, touch. I love this. It felt chaotic and real. Like, it felt like awesome. I love it, this. It was so brilliant. And when you get these little hints of stuff with um, Moxley and Renee, and it just, it adds that extra layer. You know, and that we, we like to talk about. It's that extra layer. So, uh, we get a video package highlighting Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay's match. And it pretty much is, it, it, the video package is saying without saying, but you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Saying without saying. 
It's all. It's saying it, it's, but they're not saying it because they can't confirm yeah. it yet because they, they don't know what. Because especially with injuries, you just don't know. But they're hinting at it until they get close enough <laughs> that they feel like they can confirm. I'm not saying I mean. I'm saying, but you know what I'm saying. No, it, it's it's all going to be in the UK. It's, so it's we all going. Please, you can fight in the UK. <laughs> we're going to run the third match. It's going to be fucking awesome. And yeah, uh, I believe these guys got that. Uh, the the ratings came out for them this weekend. To to no surprise, it. Uh, this was Will Ospreay's match to pass Masawa. So he officially passed him in terms of highest rated matches, you know, from the Observer. So that's cool for Osprey. I'm sure it's an honor that he'll wear, considering he, he loves those wrestlers like Masawa and stuff. So, um, Yeah, actually, hearing him talk about how much he loves and appreciates that, that wrestling era and how much those guys meant to him, you know what I mean, as a wrestler, that, that it just makes me feel secure in the legacy of that sort of style of wrestling is never going to die because the guys like this Will is Ospreay def- this is one of those stats group. that no one thought would be broken oh never i because mean dude, that, the era of the 90s in so all long. japan was so legendary misawa is literally a lot of people's best wrestler of all time for a reason you know what i mean because there's just there's been nobody more consistent you know what i mean i don't think ever in pro wrestling maybe other than will osprey you know and maybe kenny omega to some extent in his prime but kenny omega he never reached that height. You know what I mean? Will Ospreay just kept going and going and going and going and going. And it's so freaking cool. Um, then that's when Excalibur tells us about Britt being sick. Okay, we jump into a six-man tag. Orange Cassidy, El Hijo Del Vikingo, Keith Lee taking on a defeat. Danny Garcia, Matt Menard, and Angelo Parker. And dude, Keith Lee's back. <laughs> he gets the music now. This is Keith Lee from the fucking Indies. The hair's dyed black. He's got the short shorts. There's no wizard cape. He's back and ready to beat some ass. Um, I thought this match was just a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, like this, this isn't anything like utterly spectacular, but they had clear fun spots in mind and it involved using Keith Lee's strength with El Hijo Del Vikingo's athleticism did we did we get a hint at that match charlie i think we did oh my god i think we did and you know keith lee i th- he's i think he knows that uh they're about to try and fix the situation with swerve it's no surprise could, could, hold on hold on let me just throw something at you could could keith lee because because fucking kenny won it could keith lee win the triple a mega championship or sorry kenny won a championship That'd be insane. AAA, i should say oh my god Give me what I want. No, that'd be fucking awesome. But yeah, I thought, you know, 2.0, they didn't stand out to me in this, which is a little unfortunate because I, I was hoping that, you know, I'd be able to walk away from this match saying, ah, oh, it's the best match in AEW yet. It, it wasn't the case, but that's okay. Uh, Daniel Garcia looked funny getting his dances in as well as, uh, that's tough because they were in the first, uh, anarchy in the arena. So, or not anarchy in the arena. Sorry. They were in the first blood and guts. So that'd be really, really tough for them to top their best match at AEW. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, I want, I guess I'm just kind of sorry, the first, like, I guess I'm just kind of more guts. pointing towards like a traditional match, if you will. But yeah, no, that is going to be their best match they ever have in AEW for sure. Um, but I just, I don't know. They're so they're so charismatic. I want to see I want to see more sometimes. And this just this wasn't it, but that's okay. Um Orange Cassidy and Daniel Garcia. I, I, I if if Orange Cassidy would have gotten pinned here by Garcia, I'm thinking maybe they run that match back. He beats him again, so I don't see why they'd run it back now, right? So 
I think they're still trying to figure out who they want um, Cassidy to face next. They got a lot of options. Um, I I don't know. I, I honestly think he could do something with anybody right now. He's just like Cassidy's ascended into another like realm at this point. Literally. Um. So the Young Bucks and Hangman Page are backstage talking about their open challenge. Dark Order walk into the shot. John Silver accepts the challenge. Page said they could do a twelve man tag, but Reynolds says they accept a six man. Evil Uno said Page build on them despite being there for his darkest moments, opting to side with the elite. Hangman's trying to explain himself, but Dark Order, they don't want to hear any of this shit. They don't want to hear any of this shit. Uh, they show a video package with uh, Forbidden Door and Brian Danielson. Renee's backstage with Sammy and Jedical. Um, asking about Jericho tapping into the Painmaker persona. Jericho said tonight is bigger than Forbidden Door. Sting and Jericho should be on TBS, commentated by Tony Schiavone. Tonight, Sting gets his nightmare of having more time in the ring with Chris Jericho, the nightmare of the Painmaker. It's just such a cool callback that they can say now that Sting was like a main feature on WCW and you had Jericho that would never get featured and the, the resentment there, you know what I mean, yeah. would just be so pure. It's just, oh, I love when, when wrestling works, man, it just fucking works. Really does. Uh, so we have our match, uh, the six man tag, Hung Bucks versus uh, Dark Order. I thought this was, I thought this match had a lot of fun in it. Um, from an action point, from a storyline point, you know, the story, uh, one of the ongoing storylines here was Hangman just couldn't find it within himself to fight his former friends. And the Bucks really had to try and convince him, like, dude, they're, the, they're the enemy now. Like, they're opposing you. They're, they're on the opposite side of this match. We can't, we can't pussyfoot around here. You know, they'll, they'll beat your ass and take the pin. You don't mess with Johnny Hungy here. Matt knows. Hungy? Matt knows not to fuck with Hungy. So, but pretty much, um, I just, the point of this was setting up the blood and that it's blood and guts next week. So, you know, Moxley, Claudio, Yuda, they hit the ring, attack the elite dark order. Just watch, right. Um, Yuda hits a brain buster and a chair shot on Matt to Keshta and Callis are there. Moxley had a screwdriver pop page, busted him open. Eddie Kingston hit the ring was beaten down by Claudio and Wheeler trapping his arm into a chair. You know, Moxley is pretty much just saying, July 19th, Boston, TD Garden, Blood and Guts. Blood and Guts! He did his best. Blood and Guts! He did his best uh, regal impression, if you will. And... Man with a mask. Yeah, I I thought... I I, I meant to say, during the match, uh, the best part to me uh, that stuck out the most was... It was just, I guess, the Young Bucks and Reynolds and Silver just have so much chemistry together at this point from all the times they've wrestled that when they're in the ring, it literally flows like butter. Like it's just, it's so beautiful. It's so effortless on both sides. Right. And I think Reynolds, yeah, I think this is kind of what I was missing at forbidden door. Not, not to shit on the books, but I feel like that's, that's what I didn't notice in the, in the match they were in. It was like, they were there. You know what I mean? But I yeah, just, it's just it like, they didn't stand out like they do here. You know, like I the think Reynolds and Silver's best opponents are the bucks. And you just, it's another prime example of it yet again, that these guys, they just, they look so good in this match. So, yeah, yeah, good stuff here. And again, did you like him? I think because came. I think Hangman kicks out of the combo meal that I always talk about. That move that they pin people with. Yeah, I, did you like that? I think that was might have been one of the first times we've seen somebody kick out of it. Honestly, yeah. Well, it was a nice touch. And Buckshot Lariat, of course, seals the deal today. Uh, beats each trigger. Buckshot Lariat onto Silver, and it's only right that it ends with the Buckshot Lariat. Um, it's it's only right. So, yeah, I think this was a bit of a. You know, let's 
let's tie that thread of Hangman and Dark Order as well as pushing along our blood and guts. So I'm glad that they had this match because we'd forever hear people saying, well, wh- why did the Dark Order just forget about Hangman? It's like, okay, now we know. We've we've closed that chapter. Maybe we can pick it up on a rainy day when this feud dies down. But this got the Dark Order on TV as well. So it served multiple purposes. Uh, video package highlighting uh, Owen Hart tournament, which was on Collision, which was awesome. Roger Strong walks up to Adam Cole backstage, told him, dude, you, you can't fucking trust MJF. Um, MJF walked up saying hi to Cole and generic white guy. MJF said he doesn't want to stick around here any longer than he has to, so he and Cole leave together for their team bondage. Yo, no, bonding. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I thought this was funny. I mean, <laughs> yeah. hey, MJF is single. Hey, we've heard that a few times, right? Um, so up next is a segment that we had uh, talked about, I believe, on the podcast last week. It might have come out after, it might have just been we were talking in general during the week, but. Jungle douche. <laughs> jungle no, prick. No, what was the sign? Yeah, jungle prick. He had a uh, he had promo time tonight. And we were saying this is very important for him. This is this is a big deal. He needs to come out here and crush this. So Jack Perry walks out and he's got sunglasses. He's demanded they turn off Tarzan Boy. The fans have ruined the song for him. He said he's a car waiting for him in the back while everyone here in Canada are stuck in the wildfires. Wait a minute. I didn't even think about that. They set that up perfectly. Yeah. Turn off Tarzan, boy. You ruined it for me. No, 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 no. The car. They literally said there was a car back there. Yeah. I was just, I didn't even realize that. My brain oh, didn't like when he's running that. away? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was a nice touch. Um, Perry said he's cashing fat checks and banging the hottest girl in AEW. Kyle Fletcher said, lol. Um, it makes you, did, did Jack Perry turn on hook or did everyone turn on Jack Perry? After everything Perry has given AEW, people expect Perry to pal around it with a second generation entitled fraud. The FTW title isn't even recognized. Perry never needed hook. And the team was only popular because of Perry. Woo! He realized that the FTW title means hook to Hook and his family, so that's why he's taking the title from Hook. Fuck yeah! I love that line. Um, He said before, you know, he's trying to, before he, he's able to, like, you know, get his go-home line in, if you will, Hook's music hits. He sprints to the ring. The chase is on. Perry's running through the fans. Uh, he's trying to get to the back. Taz is going on. He says, I can't wait for Jack Perry to get his ass whooped. A camera is shown backstage. Jack Perry's waiting for his car, peeling out. Hook watching him drive away. And in honor of this, I think this is going to be the last time we're able to play this soundbite, but uh, Taz and, and Jungle Boy Jack Perry are no longer on good terms, so here it is one last time. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> uh, it's such a good soundbite. End of an era. Um, but I, you know, okay, did did this ele- give us an idea of Jack's new character? Yes. I think so. I think I think this delivered in the way that it needed to. I, agree. I think this um, should dissuade anybody that still thinks he doesn't know how to cut a promo. It's just that he's nervous, I guess, obviously. If that stuff's even true, you know, like so Yeah, exactly. But now that he's got a direction and an idea of what he wants to do and a great opponent and hook that he's gonna be able to do something with, I, 
I think they can do so. I think this is going to elevate Hook, and it's going to make it Jungle Boy's heel character, especially if he beats Hook, if he's one of the first people to beat Hook, you know what I mean? Dude, By far, one of the most important feud in both of their careers. So, it's going to be cool. I thought it worked. And, yeah, um, Kyle Fletcher posted after he said, LOL, nah. So, <laughs> I thought that was a little funny. Give me a Kyle Fletcher, Jack Boy, yeah. Jack Perry match. Yeah, that would be a great shot. And Kyle Fletcher has been not afraid to lose on AEW recently. So, we could see it happen. Be cool. Um, Sam McVar does his cue cards. Ruby Soho defeats Alexia Nicole. This was what it was. Um, pretty much, you know, squash. She says, Canada's finest wasn't here. So the original opponent, uh, due to a filthy germ ridden country, Britt Baker sick. Um, she's just berating Britt Baker, pretty much saying next week's the big match. The outcasts have taken everything from Baker. And I thought this, she delivered a pretty good promo here. And I mean, they had to work on the fly, right? Cause the match wasn't able to happen. I guess they didn't want to give her a, uh, an actual opponent. So, you know, I don't know. I almost wonder if they did the ju- the young bucks and dark order thing on the, on the side here, uh, they gave that a lot of time when they realized, uh, Brit, Brit wasn't there. Well, yeah. in that segment, you might've still had that match, but it might've just been a lot more squashy. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. cause that would fit more with the story of what's going on with them in uh, ring of honor right now for them to lose like really quickly and just like being in over their own heads, trying to like prove what they are. You know what I mean? But they got more time here, but it's, it was just circumstantial because Britt was sick. They would have probably given that match. I mean, they gave it time when the final, so they would probably give it time here. Um, we've highlighted to Harley Cameron hitting on Anthony Bones last week, which was a phenomenal segment. If you guys haven't seen it, Excalibur's running down uh, the upcoming week in AEW, and we get to our main event: Sting and Darby Allen defeat the Painmaker Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Um, Sting took a really scary jump here. A uh, very fucking scary. And he he kind of fucked up his lip a little bit, he was saying. So, you know, we'll... Uh, Sting, he's just insane. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, in the nicest way possible, it. can we please stop trying to kill Sting? I mean... Nah, I think it's okay. You know, um, this was a chaotic, wild, entertaining match. And it continued our Sting and Jericho feud. But, you know, do, does this end in a Jericho Sting 1v1? At a pay per view, maybe, you know, you could, you could get if that's what they want the last match to be. You couldn't have a bigger not had this happen match, I don't think, unless you did Sting Undertaker, which you can't do anymore. You know, like yeah. Um, so since we can't do that, and Bray, you know, Bray Wyatt is like in fucking alternate universe right now, where no one knows. I've not heard anything about that guy, and God knows how long. So he's probably back in the doghouse. You know, um, yeah. What the hell is he doing? I don't um, know. Anyway, um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I gotta mean, tell you, I thought to no surprise here, Darby yeah. and Sammy, when they do their stuff together, I thought it was mm-hmm. fantastic. Agreed. You know, so that's just kind of where I'm at with this. This main event didn't really do it for me in terms of like, ah, you know, it was a phenomenal match. It was an maybe, maybe Ruby and uh, Britt were supposed to main event. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I could see that. No, nah, no, nah, this is probably always meant to main event. No, nah, you're probably right, actually. Yeah. But it, maybe this would have had, like, maybe it would have felt like it fit better time wise if we hadn't just had, like, a really quick squash match right before, you know? Like, I'll tell you I what, the know. Darby Allen skateboard spot was fucking phenomenal. So, oh, yeah, bud. 
that was straight out of their uh, fight. He also Forever does his flip over the, so they'll move the stairs in front of like the barricade, and then they'll just send him into it. And he does a flip over it, and like, there's no way that doesn't just like destroy his knees. It just looks like painful. Just be like, and he's like, woohoo! <laughs> yeah, this looks straight out of their uh, video game. So I thought that was nice. And yeah, that was it for Dynamite. So um, that match might do more for some other people than it did for me, but that's okay. Hey, that's that's what it's all about. And you know, I wasn't. I, I will say this. When I walked away from this dynamite, my sister, uh, she asked me, uh, later on that night, uh, it was the next day actually. She's like, Oh, hey, how was dynamite this week? Is, is it worth me checking out? And, you know, a few weeks in a row, I've been like, Oh yeah, of course. And, and maybe, and then I'll usually watch it again sometimes. That's why it's dynamite so on my mind, right? This week she asked and I was like, eh, it's skippable. So I guess that was just kind of the, the vibe after this dynamite. It wasn't that it was bad. It's just that I think if you miss this dynamite, you're not going to miss much, right? Um, but yeah, I guess take that for what you will. Um, so we've talked about the beginning of Rampage. We then jump into the perfect 10. Sean Spears returns and he faces the blade. And I'm, I'm glad he's embracing this gimmick. We saw this in his return a couple months ago that he's, he's got a new song and this gimmick's back. It's, it's a good one. But he he dominated this. Yeah, match. we never really in NXT or on the main roster or anything. We got one time on the main roster in the in the Rumble where we got to see him as this gimmick, and just never really people were wanting it, but they just never really did anything with the guy, you know. Yeah, he he to me he's like he can be good in like a Frankie Kazarian role that we had, where he you can put him in good mid card spots like this. Get him wins when he needs it. Get him losses to other opponents. God, do you remember that run Frankie had in the middle, like last year, or the year before, where he was just he was just good again, yeah. and he was just having really great matches. You know, even his elite bad, hunter was gimmick was fantastic him. when we first started the podcast. Like, oh, absolutely! Like that, was, he was doing some good stuff there. Yeah, um, but Sean, he fucking controlled most of this match. A <laughs> uh, butcher ends up grabbing him, giving him a clothesline. Um, we get back into the ring. Blade gives him a face first suplex, but he he loses this advantage quickly. Spirits hits the Thez press, the 10 punches, and he hits a C40 at the pinfall. Quick, quick to the point, and it it was, you know, the Blade is not a single star, so him losing quick like this to a single star doesn't hurt him at all. And I thought it was, uh, I, I, I hope we see more of Sean Spears back, now that, especially now that we got Collision. You know, we know Sean Spears is good friends with FTR, They've and they work together in the Pinnacle. I almost said the Pentagon, but, um... You know, maybe a reuniting of ex-Pinnacle members wouldn't hurt anyone. You know, now we got Ricky in nah, that group. No, you know who they mean? No, no, we don't know. Not more Wardlow. No, no I'm, I'm saying Wardlow and Spears. Maybe it'll help both. Maybe it'll help Wardlow. No, honestly, they could work as a tag team. Yeah. So we jump straight into another match where we have QT Marshall and Johnny TV with Harley Cameron who defeat. You know what? Johnny TV's growing on me. Oh, yeah. I love the guy as a wrestler. I, the name is actually not growing on me at all. But uh, you know what? Hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad it is for you. I'm hoping it does for me soon. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Um, they defeat Matt Hardy and Brothers A, which also is a new name. That is Isaiah Cassidy. Um, Ethan Page is also out there. So Harley sang the, mu- the entrance for the QTV crew. And yeah. John, uh, Johnny Mundo, if you will. He's got so many names. Um, John Morrison, uh, John Hennigan, if you will. Whatever one sticks out to you, but it's always Johnny Mundo to me. He hit a really nice spot where he gave Hardy a fallaway slam, springs up on his feet, standing shooting star express, but misses the shooting star express. Uh, Brother Zay, um, he got distracted by Harley Cameron. <laughs> Johnny TV hit him with a dive onto the floor. 
The QTV stopped for a mid-match selfie, and the show went into a split-screen break. You know, they're going a lot with QTV, man, and I'm cool with it. I have have said for fucking years at this point, QT Marshall's very underrated as just at everything. A talent, Literally. a backstage, just you name it. He knows how to get someone over. And Action Andretti is a perfect example for me. And I think everyone in the back saw that. He, he goes out, he does the Jericho thing, so on and so forth. Even even the match with fucking Wheeler Yuta got him over so much. And I just, I love little things like that. After the break, Brothers A caught Johnny TV with a Gamagiri. He took Paige out with a Rana, got the hot tag to Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy and Johnny TV are kind of going back and forth. I like this. This is like some, uh, some like late ruthless aggression era type wrestlers, right? Just kind of duking it out. A couple guys that have had some singles title, had some glory. Oh, absolutely. They definitely had some great matches back in the day that I can remember. You know, him, uh, when there was a time, I don't know if anyone remembers this. If you do, uh, hit us with a message on the ESC Twitter, um, at Eat Sleep Elite. Um, also, just while I'm thinking about it, also, I'm at Bane Duke, B A N E D U K E, and Charlie's at Oh Charlie with an X instead of an A. And you can also catch me on Twitch TV slash the Duke Derps. Anyway, um, so, um, yeah, that, uh, that being said, though, um, I forgot to do that earlier, so I thought I'd sneak it in there really quickly in the middle of the show, but, um, but yeah, uh, I derailed my own train of thought here. Jo- but, uh, Hennigan um, and, uh, Matt Hardy? Oh, yes, yeah, they, I remember there was a period where there was, um, where they, I think, uh, John Morrison, who I think was running as Johnny Nitro at the time, and Molina and his little group that they had, I think they were still like together. They didn't really break groups up like that back then. I didn't feel like very often, but he was kind of doing some singles matches because you know how WWE is. You can be doing anything at any time, you know. Yeah. Um, but I remember just a random TV match. I want to say between they they had, and I was like, it was um singles Matt Hardy when Jeff Hardy, I think, might have not even been in the company at the time, or if he was, he was like you know away. Uh, doing other things um and i you know i i remember just they always had good matches together and they like they just you know when two wrestlers you can tell they've had a bajillion matches and they just fall right back into their their old like way of doing things you know what i mean that's what i thought i saw here exactly yeah and um johnny blocked a twist of fate attempt hardy gave him a ddt to near fall and then marshall actually caught hardy with a pop-up uppercut and then uh johnny came off the ropes of the gamagiri for a near fall um, so pretty much Johnny goes for a, a, a dive off the top. He misses brother Zay launches off of Matt Hardy's back on a Johnny and Marshall on the floor. Um, didn't Johnny look like he was just having fun in this match too? Like he just looked like he was having he fun. He did. He did. He didn't look like, look like, didn't look like he was having to chase zombies. So that was a nice touch. Um, brother Zay again, distracted by Harley Cameron. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I love this guy. Oh god, he he just posted this prank on Instagram where he was uh, staring at his barber while he was cutting his upper lip, like giving his uh, mustache a little bit of a cut, <laughs> and he's staring the guy in the eyes, and the fucking barber's like getting all upset, like, dude, stop looking at me, no, you're gonna, <laughs> you need to stop. <laughs> it's like what, bro? I'm just trying to make sure you give it a clean cut. <laughs> <laughs> this, this guy's fucking hilarious. I just bro, spoiled Zay, the entire Zay video. Zay needs but, to uh, get uh, like it's, it's a fucking, world title run. It's it's brilliant. Um. Uh, uh, but pretty much, uh, Johnny hits the starship pain and got the pinfall on Zay. So yeah, he got hit in the nuts after being horny and hit a star, got hit with a starship pain. So I'll, I'll take that as a loss. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this no, group losing, got bonked in the nuts. They've been losing lately. And I think this puts over the new tag team of QT and, uh, well, I guess the tag team is just QT. If, if, if Hobbs, like say we were wrong about this and Hobbs goes on to win this whole thing, like we thought maybe he should last year, uh, in whatever tournament he was in, you know what I mean? Like, um, 
I think that we could look back on this and be like, okay, it makes complete sense that they were positioning this faction. And we may even see like next week we're on Ring of Honor. We could see, um, um, oh my God, what the, uh, uh, Aaron Solo pick up like a win or something like that. You know what I mean? Because they do like to use him sometimes whenever his group's doing well. So how great for Aaron Solo that of all of all the vlog crew dudes, he's the only one that's still on TV right now. Yeah. Think about that. You know I mean? Well, I guess Good he's not him. on TV all the time, but he's been on segments pretty regularly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Good for Aaron Solo. It means that he they knew he that what they had in that guy. It's pretty cool. So a- after the match, uh, Ethan Page tried to help Matt Hardy back to his feet and was attacked by Johnny TV and QT Marshall. Page standing up for Hardy got a face pop from the crowd, and uh, Bowens and Gunn ran in to chase off the QTV crew. So yeah, I thought this was fine for everyone involved. And Ethan Page again gets a really big uh, shout out on Collision. So the babyface turn here kind of worked in that sense. Um, Hikaru Shida defeated. Uh, Taya Valkyrie in our main event. I love these two ladies getting the main event. And I thought they delivered a, a pretty fun match. So we open up with Sheeta kind of, you know, they, they go for their taking control of power. Sheeta sends Val, uh, Valkyrie to the floor with a step of Prana. Back in the ring, Valkyrie slowed Sheeta down with a forearm, wrapped her legs around the ring post. Um, she's working on Sheeta's knees. And we go to a, a split screen break. We jump back. Valkyrie fights her way out of a suplex, hits Sheeta with a forearm. Sheeta came back with a series of forearms, so we're getting like some Japanese-style fucking forearms, and I'm loving it. Sheeta climbs the rope. Valkyrie knocks her to the floor. On the floor, Sheeta gave Valkyrie a suplex, then came off the apron with a meteora. This, again, is, it just aggravated Sheeta's knees. Like, the work on her knees, and then she had to, because Taya, she scouts out Sheeta. She knows she goes for this meteora, right? So, when she hits the me- when she hits the meteora, it, like, I don't know, in, in a way, you can almost think like it doesn't do as much damage because it hurts the fucking user as much, right? A little bit of wrestling psychology, I guess. I don't know, I had fun with that. Um, Back in the ring, she had hit a running elbow strike for a near fall. Valkyrie blocked a spinning kick, tossed Sheeta into the turnbuckles, knee first. Valkyrie tried to tie up Sheeta's legs, but it was almost like she didn't know what to do with Sheeta. Finally, Valkyrie went for the road to Valhalla. Sheeta countered that with a roll-up to get the pinfall. And I thought it was a pretty fun match. In on in all honesty, like it wasn't utterly spectacular, but I like seeing Taya Valkyrie work this style of like almost a Lee Moriarty esque, if you will, right? Where she is targeting the fucking person's kind of main move, if you will, and I mean absolutely a very Dax Harwood Lee Moriarty type move. It's just the way it felt absolutely. to me, and I don't know. I just we haven't seen Taya that, that tag team just like a one off. Imagine, yeah, oh my God. it'd be awesome. Uh, but just we haven't seen this. We've seen a lot of different tie matches. She squashes. She puts people over. She has the the big matches with Jade and Chris Statlander. By big, I mean like, you know, uh, the bigs, if you will. What's the best term here? The heavyweights, I guess you could say. The heavyweight like matches. The, the, I, I just like, when we say the men, we like the, the big meat. Like the, yeah. the, 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 the stronger. The big lady meat matches. Power. Fuck it. No, but, um, <laughs> the big lady meat. <laughs> but it works. And, you know, they'll, they'll have those matches where they're trying to overpower each other. And then you get yes. something like this where she's clearly more powerful than Sheeta. And I like Sheeta getting the win in the main event. Taya Valkyrie has been getting used very well in AEW. Much better she's than she's got a slow burn heel, heel turn building right now too. That's going to pop off at some point and it's going to be fucking oh, yeah. chaos. That's, that's the, uh, that's the break glass in case of emergency for QTV. You stick her in it. And, oh, absolutely. And that's going to work. But what do you think of this main event? And then I guess just overall thoughts on Rampage. I, it wasn't a great Rampage, but it was fine. You know, uh, I think our Rampage opener was incredible. Did- yeah. I think Rampage did what it does a lot of times. And like maybe the main event should have flipped with the, 
uh, not that I don't think the women should have the main event here. I'm just saying in terms of like, um, you could have flipped either the main event and, but like just the stuff in the middle, it was just a little bit like, you know, they had the middle stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that middle stuff has always got a little bit less time because it's an hour show, you know, if it was a two hour rampage, which, oh God, anyway, but imagine if they did have two, an extra hour on rampage, oh. right? You'd get a lot more stuff. Like there's a lot more random matches on collision, just like there is on dynamite, you know, like, so, cause there's just a section in the middle between a lot of the other big stuff, you know? So, <clears throat> But like, uh, like I said, like you said, they had like a pretty good match. Um, I think they're actually the women's division as a whole in AEW. Not every Owen Hart match has been like mega spectacular, but I will say this: uh, most of the matches in AEW's women's division recently have been really good. Um, so I have to give credit where it's due. Um, I'm like I said, I'm interested to see when that heel turn finally pops because I don't think it's just going to go away. I think this is something that will have to come back because. She started going that way with Chris Statlander. They obviously decided not to pull the trigger on that feud. You know what I mean? Um, which is yeah. fine. You know what I mean? Because um, they can just move on to something else there if they want to. But um, I think she's already to the point where I don't think losing here matters to. Like, it just helps to build something like that. She like she looked pissed at the end of this match. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and this um, this match further establishes that that idea that you know we've been building a very a very wide depth of of women's division in AEW and. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I feel like Ty is now slid in. She feels like a core member and just another main event where I honestly, in my opinion, she delivered. So, uh, yeah. yeah, 100%. Uh, I also liked Sheeta's look. I, I like her current, like, uh, gear slash um, entrance. I mean, her, like, I think, it, I think it's, a, it's a nice combo right now that she's got going on. Because uh, Sheeta's, you know, Japanese wrestling is known for showmanship, obviously. But Sheeta just takes it to another level. It's pretty crazy, you know. Um all right, I guess that takes us to AW Collision, huh? Yep, AW Collision episode three. There's only three episodes of Collision. It feels like fucking seventy five at this point after all the CM <laughs> Punk comments. All right, um, <laughs> this is a long right, time. Uh, we open up the show. Ugh. The Collision is going to be a contentious show. I have a feeling with all the things that get said. But whew, all right, here we go. Um, we had MJF's music opening the show here in Hamilton. Uh, because, you know, MJF, you know, we got to get the big stars on the show. You know what I mean? And MJF came out to challenge. So we knew, we knew going into this episode, I think it was announced either on Rampage or Dynamite, one of the two, or maybe both even, that we were going to have um, MJF's first match on Collision, I believe, this week, right? Um, and so yeah, that's pretty cool. Obviously, it's a big deal. And uh, it was a jobber, of course, because it's MJF. You know, he's got to get that. You got to get that easy match in, you know, set it up for yourself. Got to make yourself look good. Um, he took on Hamilton's own Kip Morst, um, who looked like a person. He would look like he looked like a wrestler. That's what he looked like—a wrestler. Um, <laughs> certainly a wrestler. Hit the Heat Seeker one, two. Just kidding. LOL. Locks in the label lock. Uh, Interesting cho- choice to lock in the label lock. So I guess were they going to go against Danielson? Was it going to be Danielson versus him again? D- different stipulation. Like was that the idea? Like maybe I. I think it's just MGF I, stealing finishers from people he's beaten. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see that. Anyway. Um, he got a promo on the entire country of Canada afterward and said that he would, you know, he was so goddamn good that he'd take on anyone else from Hamilton. And then, uh, this, um, this guy walked out from the back. I'm just going to say he was a guy. Uh, I'm not going to say much about the guy, but, um, if you want to know what the guy looked like, you can look at them. I'm sure there's a segment posted on AEW's YouTube channel or something, you know? Um, <laughs> and then, uh, we'll just say the guy didn't make it very far down to the ring before Ethan Page came out from the back. Um, cause I forget every now and then that he's from Hamilton. Like he'll say it on like his vlog and stuff. And I'm just like, Oh, okay. 
but I don't take that information in really, you know, but like, yeah, he's from, he's from Hamilton, Ontario. You know what I mean? Um, the homeland of John so, fucking Campia. Is that where, uh, where a uh, good boy, good boy, good brother Campia is from? Yeah, right. He says the most um, beautiful fucking place in the world, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I heard Ethan Page say he grew, grew up in a nice looking place himself. So, I mean, hey, maybe he I've heard out. Canada maybe is a beautiful country. Out. So uh, I, I've heard Canada is a beautiful country. I don't, I don't know. I've never been to, uh, to anywhere outside of America, but you know, I'm sure it's, a, I'm sure it's a beautiful place. Um, I thought, uh, he smacked the, uh, first of all, Ethan Page came out and, you know, Mox was about to, Mox, Max was about to bury him a little bit. He smacked the fucking mic out of his hand, which back in the day, MJF would have slapped you for that shit. You know what I mean? Like, he's oh, obviously yeah. matured a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, Page decided to cut up around more. Maybe he just respected him for it because he knows this guy deserves an opportunity. You know, maybe. I don't know. Uh, it could be, I could see MJF being backstage and being like, you're from Hamilton, right? Well, let's do something, you know, like, um, and I love that uh, Ethan Page has gone full baby face now. He dude, he cuts an awesome promo. He talks about the history of his father as a worker at like a was like a steel plant or like a something like that or some kind of plant in in Hamilton that everyone they got a big pop from the crowd. So it must be a lot of people that work there locally. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. have like connections to that. Like that was really cool. Talking about his history as a wrestler, which I'm sure the cra- the crowd knows, and made honestly I think a fantastic case for him getting a shot against MJF because MJF said he was going to defend the title against somebody from there and i don't know like just before we get into the actual match uh what did you think of uh, ethan page answering the call and uh cutting like i think one of the best promos i he's thought got he cut a fucking scathing promo this was fire oh. and you know i just this is a side of ethan page that we know exists and I'm glad. Remember, like, there was a promo segment where Scorpio Sky was kind of dying in front of the crowd. Not anything wrong with Scorpio Sky. Yeah, just no, the crowd it was just, they were getting him. some heat. It was, it was going a little south. Ethan Page steps in and it was fucking awesome. I know exactly. He got the crowd to like pop for him because he's like, it made them seem like the greatest group of all time. And the crowd was like, shit. So this is the Ethan Page we needed, like, yeah. then, but you know, like, yeah. So, yeah. So obviously that sets up a title match. Uh, by the way, did you have anything more to say? No, I just, I thought the, uh, I, I, it was kind of a cool start. Yeah, other, yeah you absolutely. Know, it, to me, it just... We, we've been talking about... I like that it was almost separated into two segments. It was yeah. one continuous segment. Obviously, we didn't go to commercial until, I think, and what, part of the way into the match? we've been talking about is how Collision has a different vibe, and you mm-hmm. never see this on Dynamite, so... Oh, 100%. Obviously, that sets up Ethan Page versus Maxwell Jacob Friedman for the AEW World Championship. And we talk about targeting the, lim- the limbs and stuff like that. That's what Mox... or I keep calling him Mox. God, Mox, Max, fucking Mix. Anyway... Um, uh, the, the MJF was, uh, was targeting that leg. Um, you know, we talk about like sorts of, uh, things that people do really well, like Brian Danielson. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of somebody from Japan that does this really well. Obviously it's actually Virginia, but I'm trying to think of like a Japanese wrestler that does it well. People that like, uh, well, I, I mentioned Despy earlier. Despy does this really well as well. Yeah. Targeting a certain limb and then also adding in submissions and something like that. But there's other small things that like Brian Danielson is really good at getting torque on submissions. So is Zack Sabre Jr. You know what I mean? Zack Sabre Jr. looks like he's actually breaking your leg, you know, like, <laughs> um, and there was a single leg crab that, uh, MJF hit in this match and he just, he torqued the shit out of it, you know? Yeah. Um, it was, it looked painful. I, I would not want to be put in that move. Um, I think that the redemption arc of Ethan Page is nearly complete. I don't know what they need to finish this off with. Like in my head, I had this like thought while I was watching this, like, what if, what if Matt Hardy is fine that he's redeemed now and he's proud of him? But like the punishment that he has to for all the stuff that he did to them is he has to now leave the group and go off on his own. He gets banished and he has to become a hero on his own. 
I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I could see it though. I I would be sad because I love the guy so much, but I could see it. Oh no no no! I mean from the group. I don't mean like from AEW. No no I mean, no! Yeah, still... exactly. I just I love this. I, but I also I if they just want to keep them together, they just so want them to be like a a trio to go lose on Ring of Honor to people. Yeah, why not? Until until Zay gets back. But I'm just thinking in my head because. All right, I thought that till Zay till uh, Mark Quinn gets back because I think I still think that the plan is to run Hardy's plus just to run Hardy Party as a quad, and Ethan Page I don't think fits into that, and I think Ethan Page is a babyface positioned on this card the way he's doing right now. I mean, I think he could die like he did during the last time they tried to position him sort of as a babyface, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, um, it's one of those things. Maybe him and Scorpio's guy get back together. I don't know. I don't know. Um, there was a super power slam spot that looked really cool. Uh, and MJF hit a heat seeker for the win. Um, I think there was some shenanigans probably at some point from MJF because it usually is. I didn't exactly write it down in my notes. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it was a really great opening to the show. Um, the match quality on this episode of collision, I think was honestly overall really good. Um, I would say actually, I can't even think, is there anything on this show that was no i think pretty much everything did what it needed to right oh, yeah. yeah i would say they, they all were fucking singing yeah <clears throat> anyway yeah yeah actually yeah 1000 percent. what am i even saying yeah the collision wins this week no i'm just kidding but um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i don't know mjf ethan page any thoughts on that my oh my guys like i i really liked this match overall and uh i really t- opening the show with collision all the openings of the all all the shows this week were just in- incredible yeah it's it's so enjoyable seeing uh just MJF, you know, even work more, if you will. <laughs> right. I just, I, I, I mean, that's the joke, right? Like he doesn't wrestle at all. Right. Yeah. And I just, I love, um, you know, it, I'm trying to think of, uh, of to sum it up, if you will. We're seeing an ascension in MJF, like not in terms of the way people are viewing him as a wrestler. You could almost say similar to maybe what Will Ospreay and Orange Cassidy did for Orange Cassidy's career last year at Forbidden Door. This year, this title run, people are starting to see MGF different. And it started before the title run, but it's just, this was... I would say all the way back since his feud with, um, other than the Wardlow stuff, which I think people still respect for what he's been willing to, to take the loss in that scenario. Um, but I mean, other than the Wardlow thing, I think since this stuff he started doing with, uh, um, the feud with Darby that led to the feud with MJ or with, uh, CM Punk and then everything on from that, I think it's pretty much when, yeah, I think it's, it, yeah, I think so. It kind of just changed like the way we view him in our eyes. And I thought these guys had a good match. Um, you know, just, just for example, when, when Paige went for that Eagle's edge and MJF slips out and he hits that, Ethan Page hits that twist of fate right away. It's like. He's absorbed that moveset now, and it just it flowed so well. Ethan Page looked like he belonged, right? And arguably, when MJF had his little program with Ricky Starks and it felt like Ricky belonged, Ricky's been treated as a much bigger star ever since that program back in December. Look at where Ricky's at seven months seven months later. He's he's constantly featured. And think about that. MJF elevated Ricky Starks to the point now where Ricky Starks is one of the main stars over on Collision. That's yep. that's awesome. So and, main and, eventing multiple weeks, you know what I mean? Yep. Like and now Ricky's in a position where he might win this fucking tournament. So Yeah, good good stuff. Sorry. <laughs> oh, 100%. Speaking of uh the Owen, we had uh, Powerhouse Hobbs taking on Dustin Rhodes. I don't think I missed any. I think they rolled right straight into the segment right away. We went right commercial. Into it. 
It was good. There's, I will say this about Collision. They're doing it slightly differently, the way they're positioning the commercials and stuff like that. Like, you can literally... It, yeah, it's a lot more like... It's it's different. It reminds me of how wrestling used to be shot. You know what I mean? Before they had all, like, the uh, picture-in-pictures and stuff like that. Not that there isn't still that on the show. I'm just... You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> Powerhouse Hobbs took on Dustin Rhodes. And uh, if you thought that you weren't getting a a similar quality match to the other matches in this tournament, you were wrong because... I did not know this, Charlie, but Dustin used to travel with Owen back in the day. That's crazy, That's an dude. Awesome fucking touch. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, they're giving us the match. You know, like this is going to be one of Dustin's best matches this year. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and it was. Because that adds a layer of real drama to this, you know, that you just can't get out of the back of your head for the rest of this match. Uh, it starts out with a nice tight headlock. You could tell the frustration and aggression that Dustin's had with his recent performances where he's been getting his ass beat. He's not going to let that happen when he's doing something in Owen's name. Even if he loses tonight to the monster that is Powerhouse Hobbs, he's going to do something to try and prove that he still has the ability to win this in the name of Owen, you know? Um, you have QT uh, at chirping Dustin at the side. Um, I believe it was QT and uh, Harley were both at ringside for this. I don't know if Solo was out there. I can't remember. Um, I don't think so. Um there was a, during that chirping though, it sets up a blindside shot from Hobbs. And for pretty much that point in the match, Hobbs was relatively dominant, but Dustin still got his stuff in after this point. I think that's, that might have said that picture in picture I was talking about. I think that's where it hit it was like right after he hit him in the head or something like that. Something like that. Anyway, the point is, um, then Dustin was busted open after a few more, uh, you know, uh, shots from Hobbs. Um, and then Hobbs did this fucking like metal as fuck spot where he bathed in Dustin's blood. Um, yeah. And uh, then Dustin, you know, I'm, I forget what he does to set this up, but uh, he ends up hitting a crossroads and a pile driver back to back. And I'm like, oh, my God, is Dustin getting a flash win here over Hobbs? You know, like, yeah, uh, didn't happen. Got the two count, though. Um, and uh, then they hit this really nasty looking code red spot, which actually worked. And then when they replayed it, it actually worked basically perfectly, but it just looked like insane, you know, Um because Dustin didn't quite get his legs around, you know what I mean, or something like that. But it, uh, Hobbs is just athletic enough. He just fucking flipped himself, you know, like a goddamn ba- like not, not to say ballerina, like a goddamn like gymnast, you know what I mean? Like Hobbs, God, Hobbs shouldn't be able to do that, should he? I mean, he's not as big as like Wardlow in terms of like height, I don't think, or maybe they're closer than I think. But like, he's not like I don't know who's a really tall big guy, you know what I mean? Like, he's not like uh, uh, uh Big Bill in terms of height, but. He's still a big motherfucker. You know what I mean? They were even saying in this match that I think between the two of them, which you can see that Dustin's taller and he might even be heavier when he was in his prime, but Dustin's getting older. I, I would not be, I would not put it past Hobbs to be like a way bigger, like size wise than, than Dustin is at this point, you know, like agree, which it, ugh, this match is just like super fun. Dustin kicked out of a spine buster at one Charlie that I lost my shit when he did that. Ain't nobody been doing that recently. No. And God, dude, this was, ah, uh, just the end of this match, it was so fucking cool. Like, I just, not to completely jump ahead, but dude, oh man. Absolutely. Yeah, because you had that, like I said, that crossroads and pile driver. And then Hobbs, uh, I think also, um, the, I forget something else. Dustin, there's a spot Dustin hits after this. Actually, let me uh, pull up. I, I still have the. Yeah, the after he kicks out at one, he hits that, like, code red. Like oh, yeah, that code red, and it looks like it kills him, and then he kicks out at two from that after Dustin crawls into the cover after they both are killed by the spot. Yeah, just like really cool finish set up here. 
Um, and then Dustin is, uh, I think, I think he gets like lured in by Hobbs and he like gets caught in the ropes. Then QT punches because the referee's like a little yeah. distracted, doesn't quite see it. Hobbs catches him. Another spine buster. One, two, three. Hobbs versus Ricky is potentially going to be the match that you're getting set up here. When that first happens, and I'm like, if we're, if, if I, I, I kind of, I, cause like, okay, cause I don't think, I don't think anyone was wanting to see Dustin versus Juice. I mean, it probably would yeah, be good no, still, no, but, but you know what I mean, but like, yeah. But if it was going to be, it, obviously, I think I think it had to be Hobbs here. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, ah, Hobbs versus Juice would be really cool too. But I think we're just killing Juice at that point. Not that Juice is losing momentum, but I think we're just having Juice get killed by that po- at that point. You know what I mean? So I think it has to set up Hobbs versus Ricky. So that immediately got me more excited for that main event because obviously I'm a big mark for Ricky. You know what I mean? Um, for Ricky? Um, and it's just, you know, and you know, uh, Juice is always going to give you an amazing match if you're, if he's putting you over. So, you know, like, I don't know. This, the, the ending of this match set up so many cool things for later in the show, Charlie. And uh, just Powerhouse Hobbs just finally being treated like he deserves, Charlie. It's it's about damn time, right? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here. It it felt really good to to see him get this spot and to deliver the way he did. Yeah. They just beat the shit. He looked like a dominating, like a champion type player here, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, so I got I got a decent amount still to go through, so I'm gonna try and get through some of this like like small stuff really quickly. So Roderick Strong and Samoa Joe had a hype video. Doesn't wasn't much there. Some good stuff in there. Miro had a match with Anthony Henry where he just murdered him. Unfortunately, um, he beat him he beat him in the chest ten times. Uh, they gave Henry a quick flurry of offense. Match kick game over. He intimidated the ref afterward. Uh, Miro still forsaking his god, you know, swearing <laughs> off his wife, all that stuff. I love that. Uh, metal as fuck. Um, we'll have to see who his first actual opponent is. Uh, maybe this is what Andrade does after he's done with House of Black. I'm not sure. I feel like they tried to do that at some point. It didn't quite work, so maybe we can do something there. Um, we recapped the main event last week from the Bang Gang Gang uh, stuff with Bullet Club re- Gold United. So this one we actually will spend a little bit of time on because it's something we wanted to talk about. So... The little club gold then get called out by Tony Schiavone, who's standing in the ring, wanting to get to the bottom of this BS with the guns and the bullet club. Yeah. So, uh, he brings out Jay White, Ju- uh, Juice Robinson, and the guns. And, uh, we have just Jay White just having an absolute blast on the mic here. Cause he's like, God, this was he just so comes up with so good. many just amazing one liners. He called them, he called them like James Bond, like, or something like he made the James Bond reference. And then he called them the golden guns, which is another James Bond reference from the golden eye game. Yo, like, count me in with the golden guns. Oh my God. That's a great name. And it's the golden era of bullet club. Tony Schiavone then lets them know that uh, Bullet Club is going to be banned by a ringside for for Juice versus uh, Ricky, um, which Jay is not happy about. He takes away Tony's talking privileges. <laughs> and, and Austin Gunn on the side here is just having so much fun with the crowd and with everything. Just Oh, absolutely. You can tell this is like they realize they've ascended and they realize the talent that they're next to. And uh, Ricky's having fun too. Whenever uh, Austin starts calling out stuff like, and then Colton says, "Dude, they were all so just brilliant in this segment." And I just, I love this. And it was a hilarious promo. Um, and then we went straight from that. And Tony Schiavone's like, "And we are backstage right now." And I think it was Lexi. We have uh, Punk, Ricky Starks, FTR, and <clears throat> Punk is the one that's talking first. And because they mentioned, oh, sorry, I should go back to the previous segment. So Jay White is the first person to call out CM Punk for his version of the AW world title that he has. 
um, implying it really super hardly. He's doing the Jay White thing where he he basically tells you what's going to happen because he's Jay White. And, he's and I don't find it a surprise he's the first person that's able to acknowledge this. Yes, I, I think it makes sense. He's a big enough established star. And if there's going to be, if they're testing the waters of potentially having another world title, which it feels like they're kind of, I mean, I, I hate to say it, it feels like what they're kind of doing right now. You know what I mean? Like they're testing the possibility of having two separate championships here. You know what I mean? Like, um, at least for yeah, some period of, of time until the unification. Yeah. Like I think Punk might just be a champion as well until the, the unification. And they might just, because MJF is obviously going to do something in the next pay-per-view, but we don't know what yet. Maybe that's what they're setting up here, and that would make sense, you know, um, for them to, to face off if we can't it would, get... It would fit, yeah. It makes sense. Because if we can't get Punk versus Kenny right away, like, maybe if they're still not quite there yet, you know what I mean? Because I don't think that's happening, especially if we're getting Will Ospreay versus Kenny. Like, you know, because there's, like, things, like, because, like, okay, if my question is this, we could get Will Ospreay versus Kenny 3, but there's also the potential for Punk versus Omega on the table. Which one do you go with, you know? Fuck it, back to back weeks. Punk Kenny, all out, man. Oh yeah, you can do them on the different two different shows. Yeah, book one on the other. Yeah, fuck it. Actually, at that point, you know what? Kenny could totally pull it off too and make it be amazing. You know, so I could totally see it. Actually, to be fair, if you can get it done, but if not, if not, you could run MJF versus, and you could honestly just if you wanted to do all kinds of stuff, you could you could mix and match there. But anyway, yeah, I, I so I hope that we get a sort of faux world title match between Jay Jay White and CM Punk. I think that'd be pretty sick. You know what I mean? Um, it'd be awesome, especially if they throw it on collision or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, so I can't wait to see that. Um, we had, uh, Ricky getting his pump on backstage before the match. <clears throat> Punk called MJF a replica champion, basically. Um, not sure how I feel about that. And then, uh, FTR, we're talking smack because Bullet Club Gold also won a title shot against them because, yeah, Jay White's not stupid enough. He, he realizes he's probably more likely to get a world or a tag title shot right now with the win that he got than he is to get a singles, you know, title shot against a, a Punk if he does actually have like a potentially sanctioned championship, you know, like. Um, but either way, um, so yeah, we're setting up a lot of potential feuds and matches here. Um, I would like to see Punk versus everybody in that group, basically. Uh, to be honest with you, and I would like to see Ricky take on some more combos. I'd like to see FTR versus Bullet Club Gold. FTR versus the Guns 2, please. Or would that be 3? Whatever it would be now. Um, you know, this time with more more, more than just bragging rights and gold I, on the line. I just, Actual- I'm so into this program, and I'm with you 100%. Let's, let's do a thing where we make these Jay White wins and these the Guns joining here. Let's make it all matter. That's all we ask for. And like we said, next week it's a it's an eliminator match between FTR and Juice and uh, Jay White. And since it's an eliminator match, you can let the the Bullet Club Gold win. You know, it's yeah. You could have the guns come out and cheat and have them help them win. I mean, I, mean, I don't think the eliminators work in the way that if you cheat, you can't. It doesn't count. I'm sure they could establish that precedent, and now it's a thing. Now, not not that that's going to happen every time, but if you have the right situation, like you do in this case, to set up the match that could potentially go on one of the coming up pay per views. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? There's options. You got options. Anyway, um, speaking of options, we had Juice, I don't know what you know that means. We had Juice Robinson taking on Ricky Starks, the Owen Hub cart, uh, the Owen Hart cup, the Owen cart cup. Anyway, um, uh, Juice uh, yelled at Ricky at the beginning of this match. You think I can't do this on my own? You think I've never won a tournament before? And Charlie, you know me super well. What did I immediately do? I had to look up which tournament Juice won. The World Tag League with David Finley. I might have to go back and look at some of that. That sounds one like an the, awesome uh, tag one team. One of the better tag teams of of that generation there was uh, Finn Juice. I, I, I like wow, that Wow, like that sounds team. fun to me. I, bet I can see David Finley working well with, uh, with Juice Robinson and them winning. Uh, did they end up winning the tag titles after that? I believe they did have a, a run with the tag titles. 
that's pretty sick, honestly, bro. And he's also a one-time United States heavyweight champion, by the way, in case anyone was curious. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the story of this match was kind of like, um, you know, they were kind of just like challenging each other because Juice felt like disrespected that he didn't think he could do it on his own because Juice has never been that kind of wrestler that I've ever seen. He's never relied. He will cheat if he has to because he takes every advantage that he can get, but he's not. he doesn't need that to win. I've always known that about Juice, even if I didn't know anything about the guy, you know? Um, cause he's, just, he's called rock hard juice Hopkins Robinson. He's the lefty that'll knock your ass out. You know what I mean? Like anyway. Um, so, uh, that being said though, we had some dueling chance here. He said, come on, Ricky. <clears throat> Ricky. But Ricky just wanted juice to let loose. It was almost like that fucking dragon ball Z thing that Goku does where he wants to fight you at your best, even though it's maybe not the best for him. Like if he wants to win the whole tournament or something like that, you know, it's the gambit that, uh, I would say that, uh, um, that uh like uh what is his name uh, sorry shit i lost it for a second leo rush ran because he could like, leo rushed day two three looked like he was gonna win the whole tournament you know what i mean but then by the end they just you know he just hadn't paced himself well enough and everybody else ended up passing him you know what i mean so he didn't get enough wins so and oh, leo rush was so good in that tournament anyway um so but yeah probably three I mean, of my favorite five matches was him yeah dude, literally yeah dude just oh, him versus mike bailey oh oh anyway um so yeah, um, they, I just think this is the best singles match either of these two guys have had in a, in a hot minute. Not that they've been bad, but I just think this is the best one they've had um, because this was a big match. Um, I like that this worked its way into the tournament. It feels like it needed to. Um, okay. Juice rolls through an O'Connor roll with a handful of tights. The crowd rallies behind Ricky after that point because Ricky's, you know, like once they roll through that, he's a little Ricky. bit like stunned. Hits a spear on Ricky for two. Ricky hits one back. Juice attempted to get a jackknife pin, and it gets reversed into a, a roll-up by Ricky. And Ricky picks up the win off of that uh, flash pin that he rolled Juice through, which I wasn't expecting to be that quick, but it made sense when I thought, because I think it was like a 13-minute match. It was like right about 15 minutes um, with entrances. So, well, I guess it was Juice was probably already out there, but with uh, Ricky's entrance and stuff like that. <clears throat> and I like the finish. I like... Juice hitting a spear, and it looked kind of like not perfect. You know what I mean? Like he hadn't hit a spear in a while or something. Or like he just was pulling it out of nowhere to try and like beat Ricky with his own move. You know what I mean? Like it's it looked kind of like uh not bad. It looked like intentionally like he just was trying to like ram. Him yeah, in the spot, it, it was you know? like, like it was like a fucking trying to scrape the fucking innards of his brain trying to just yeah. land something. Oh yeah, he was just trying to make something happen because he was running out of gas. You know. Um. So we got Ricky versus Hobbs confirmed here. Ricky Starks versus Hobbs. We've been needing this match to finally pay off for a while when these two broke up. You know what I mean? Um, because they deserved a big blow off and they just, I don't, I mean, they didn't get it. You know what I mean? Like, eh, oh well. Um, so hopefully they, they bring all that stuff up from like, like last year. You know what I mean? That happened because I really would like that. Hobbs or Hobbs, uh, we should probably have Taz on commentary for that match. I'm just going to say. Um, I would think. You know what I mean? Uh, I would think that would be 100% wise. agreed. Yep. Um, and we have, uh, Bullet Club Gold attempting to make a run in here because they were banned from ringside, obviously. And then CM Punk and FTR come out to make the save. Um, just a really great match, really great segments overall. Again, everything on Collision felt like it kind of led perfectly into each other. And I really, really liked it. So another thing that I really, really liked was, uh, Christian Cage backstage addressing the TNT championship again. And Sean Spears is going to be the first person to challenge Luchasaurus for that title. I like to see that, Charlie. That's some good stuff right there. Just picked up the win on Rampage, and you know, it wins gotta matter, right? So elevates you to that 100%. next level. Absolutely, and uh, I don't think Spears is winning it, but man, it's going to be a good match because Luchasaurus can deliver in those spots. So, 
Um, and I imagine we'll get some Christian Cage shenanigans as well. We had Lady Frost taking on Chris Statland for the TBS Championship. Lady Frost has to be a signee on one of these rosters here soon, I have to imagine, because they've been using her so goddamn much. She's been getting title shots. We've been running the Sky Blue slash the uh, whoever you want to say else that's done this recently, Gambit. She's she's in there. Give her the, give her the goddamn graphic, Tony. Just do it. All right, anyway. Um, and uh, I thought this was a pretty good match. It didn't get a super whole lot of time here, but they did some good mat work. It was a power versus agility match. Um, it's always a great combination for making interesting matches, and she hits the Saturday Night Fever for the win. Chris Statland, whose title run is going to probably be pretty good. It's the like so far because she's giving people time, and she's Dude, giving people running an Orange Cassidy type gambit here. Yep. You know? So hey, maybe they'll maybe they'll uh, have a mixed tag match at some point with uh, both of them as champions. I think that'd be pretty cool. They are friends, you know. I'm just anyway. Um, we had Lexi backstage interviewing Andrade El Idolo. And he was just losing his shit, Charlie. He wants his fucking mask. He's pissed. He's really angry. And all of a sudden, the screen starts glitching, and House of Black show up, and they start fucking with shit. And Andrade just loses his shit, and he's pissed. He just wants to kill him. I love this, dude. It's awesome. I, I, I'm totally in. <laughs> this is exactly what I want both of these two doing, and it's just fucking incredible. And I hope this is like a multi-month feud because this one deserves it. It's gonna be awesome. They're gonna have like five different match. Give us this. Make this our next best of seven series right here, right now. Do it. Book it, Tony. Because they could do seven matches that would be insane, you know. And we know that they can do it because it's Malachi Black. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Anyway, all right. And that takes us to the main event of the show, which was Samoa Joe versus Roger Strong, which obviously I talked about at the top of the show. Uh, really great match. Really great show. Uh, Charlie, did you have over thoughts on anything else that I didn't really stop too long on on Collision? Uh, or are you I just want to get out of here? Just overall, the presentation minutes. again was excellent. Um, they, they were using a camera this time that was kind of like above the ring, but like dangling to the right. And they were kind of using that instead of a hard cam, which I thought, it remind. I liked it. I, I thought it was a nice touch. Again, I Ke- having Kevin Kelly's voice attached to AW. It Kevin Kelly's my. Fa- I'm, uh, if, if you guys have even been following a couple weeks, you know this. He's my favorite voice in wrestling, and every time I hear him talk about something, I'm always I always seem that much more engaged. Like I, I've been thoroughly engaged in all three weeks of Collision, and I don't think it's like a honeymoon phase or anything like that. I think Collision's genuinely going to be great. Now the first big test is going to be in about nine weeks, 10 weeks when we got college football. So we'll see where collision standing. Then we'll see where it's, you know, where, where she lies. Right. So that's just going to be a, that's going to be something we have to keep an eye on. And we're three weeks in, we're three for three. We're going into week four and I got a feeling we're going to be four for four. So we're, I mean, we're, we got fucking Samoa Joe and CM Punk, dude. And then Punk Athena and Willow. And Athena and Willow. And uh, Punk uh, uh, Starks and Hobbs. Like, dude, it's going to be fucking awesome. Robert. That being said, uh, who do you got? Starks or Hobbs? I think it's time. I think Ricky's ascension is nearly complete. And I think Hobbs isn't going to... Like, I don't think Hobbs lose. So here's, here's why I think the, the Ricky win last time didn't work in terms of Hobbs. Because it felt like Hobbs got nothing in that match. Yep. If Hobbs looks like he did against Dustin, against Ricky, and Ricky just barely squeaks out a win, it's not going to hurt Hobbs that much. Especially if they do everything, like they cheat and they do everything in their power to try and win. 
because I think Ricky uh, versus CM Punk is a match that CM Punk has been wanting to have for a while. But I could honestly see, not that I think that, that Joe couldn't possibly win, but I think if am I ahead of him, I'm booking the match. I mean, I guess it makes sense if you're positioning Punk as the babyface, you would need Hobbs at that point. But I mean, they could do baby versus baby in, in a tournament anyway. It doesn't really matter, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I really, I really would like to see Ricky pick up a massive win. I think it, I think it could be career changing for the guy, just like his, uh, his match with MJF was, you know? And I, I think vice versa, it could be career changing for Hobbs as well. Hobbs has been so start stop that I, I think winning against Ricky could be what he needs to just cater him just to that next, you know, tip of the iceberg. And if it is Hobbs punk, you know, I, that's someone on his list, just like Ricky. Well, cause so, that's my thing is I don't know if he beats punk. You know what I mean? That's my only concern. I, like, I think either Samoa Joe or Hobbs need to win this tournament. That's where I'm at right now. Just based on who's left. I, I don't see Ricky winning. I, I just don't see it. Um, uh, I, I think punk is going to win, but, and that's fine. Now, Ricky versus Samoa Joe would be interesting. I, I, any, any combination I'm into, right? Totally. I'm with you. Any combination I'm into. I, you know, earlier I made my pitch for Samoa Joe over CM Punk. And I guess I stand by, by the way, that I think Athena should still win that whole tournament on the women's yes, side. Yes. Athena, Athena needs to win the women's. 100% agreed. Hammer it down. Lock it in. Fucking, you know the vibes. No, but, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to take Hobbs. So that's cool. We'll, we'll see where that goes. Looking forward to that. That's going to be next Saturday. And again, um, just, just like always, you guys catch us next week too, where we're going to have, we're going to have some more stuff on the show next week because we're going to have those new Japan shows and we'll have some ring of honor, some dynamite, some collision, some rampage and rampage better. You know, <laughs> remember that, remember that little bonk meme that just said rampage better. LOL. Um, that's pretty great. But yeah, guys. Yeah, Rampage, Rampage is better. It's the best of the shows. Thanks for checking this out. We really appreciate it. Um, this and, is Rampage, baby. And if there's uh, if there's, if you guys enjoyed the show, go ahead and this hit that show little that subscribe y'all been button. On. And I saw we were looking through our stuff last week, and we saw you know uh, a lot of you guys from Canada have been stopping in. So I think maybe you guys are really into the shows and say W's in your town. Maybe you're going to shows this week, next week. If you're going to Dynamite or, or Collision this week. Have fun, seriously. It's probably gonna be it's gonna be awesome. You get Kenny Omega versus yeah, Wheeler Yuta. Of also the CDL, and you're in Canada. Who do you think is going to Toronto? We'll probably have that information by next week, right? So, um, yeah. If you guys are going to Dynamite, you're getting Kenny and Wheeler. If you're going to fucking Collision, we just listed everything you're getting. I mean, Punk and fucking Joe. Either way, you guys are gonna have a good time. Yeah, so. Kenny versus Wheeler. By the way, uh, put Wheeler over again, please. Thank you. Ooh, that'd be huge. I I think Omega's winning that one, but I, probably. But yeah, I mean, I, I, if, if fucking if Wheeler beats him in singles, holy shit, that'd be awesome. But I'm no, I'm excited for that match. And yeah, thank you guys, and we'll catch you guys next week for another episode of Eat Sleep Elite. Oh!